Hi, I'm Kyle. And I'm Trevor. And welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. Uh, if you're not familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a movie review podcast wherein Kyle and I take turns introducing one another to films. Uh, and in this way, we catch up on our cinema. Uh, today, we're going to be do- doing something a little different, though. Uh, we're going to be exploring the world of cinematic deaths Yeah. Uh, in the spirit of the season, the Halloween season. We're going to be exploring cinematic deaths, good, bad, gruesome, pathos, all that business. It doesn't really matter what type of death, just the general subject of death in cinema. Uh, and to kind of kick things off, uh, I'd like to introduce my brother. He's been on the show a few times before, but we figured this is a good roundtable discussion that's fitting to have a... A third voice in the room. So, Matt, uh, say hello. How you doing? Uh, I gotta tell you, I, I was saying this earlier, but you guys really fucked me up with this question <laughs> because it forced me to revisit a number of these cinema deaths, and a lot of which I didn't realize how much they affected me in my adult life. And the first one that came to mind, I, I haven't even watched it since my childhood, and I was forced to relive it today in order to prepare for this, And it is so heinous, it lingers with me. I literally have PTSD from the scene. (laughs) Fuck. (laughs) And that death is the shoe in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Oh, Oh, man. Fuck, dude. I didn't even think we had that on the table. Death the dip. The dip. That is a pretty brutal death. Judge Doom, the dip, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. That is a brutal one. Because the shoe is like, it's so innocent. It's so innocent, it's literally like sidling up to him like a puppy yeah and he just picks it up and slowly dips it it literally has a moment where it's freaking out Mm -hmm. as it's being dipped it's not like he just dunks it yeah it's like blubbering and like it's a slow gruesome death and and i remember like seeing that as a kid and hoping at the very end when all the cartoon characters appear that you'd see the little shoe bounce around and nope <laughs> it's gone yeah, it's, it's, you just put a damper on my day because yeah, i completely forgot I, about I that i completely forgot about the shoe but yeah that is really rough because it's like it's in the center of the frame it you see it you see it dissolving into nothing and what's more if i remember right like judge doom is like locked eyes with eddie valiant he's just kind of like no, pretty he, nonchalant about it you know what happens is, is after it's finished smoking Christopher Lloyd has that like quick. He has like a really slow turn and just like that's how bad. That's yeah. how fucking heartless I am, dude. Well, I mean, it's one of those things that in films like we've gone over this before. I, I love, I love uh, visually communicated storytelling. Yeah, and it it sets the stakes. It's like, oh my god, if Roger falls into that vat, this yeah. is what happens. This is awful. Yeah, but, but in that sense, that's what's so disturbing yeah. about it is that it's. Beyond a character like Roger, which, however you may feel about, this is a totally innocent character that literally only exists for this moment. Yeah, yeah, there's times you want to put Roger in the dip. That's kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. And, and with this one, like, I guess I hadn't, we're talking about death I saw over 30 years ago. Yeah. And I hadn't refused to watch this movie since because that affected wow. me so much. And the only reason it, like, came back to my mind was somehow I, I think I was tooling around the internet and uh, one of the Ant-Man movies has a scene that kind of, I feel like, pays homage to that where a character gets shrunken down and squished and yeah. then flushed down the toilet. That was a really brutal moment in an otherwise kid-friendly movie. Yeah, but that that was the closest thing I could think of on par to just, like, a total just 
brutal. Like, what about the what's the movie where the rat gets ends up getting hung? It's like a late eighties, early nineties uh, Disney flick. Uh, mm-hmm. Wow, uh, the Great Mouse Detective, maybe might have been, but I, a, I forget how Radigan buys it at the end of that. I, I think uh, that he gets like Vincent Price. Well, the, uh, yeah, that's the one. Uh, I, I know they're on hung. the they're on like Big Ben or something. They're in like a clock tower. I don't remember how he meets his end, but it's a Disney movie. Usually, it involves falling from a great height. I think, he, <laughs> I think he gets hung. That's if I remember correctly. Yeah, uh, I I think he might be right. Uh, oh, uh, Tarzan. 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 For sure. Yeah, I haven't even seen that movie, but I know that. <laughs> That was one of those Disney movies that was a really big deal, like marketing wise. Like it was just fucking everywhere. Burger King. I think it was a. Bur- I think it was a Burger King property, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. I remember my movies Wait. via kids' meals. Seriously, but do, does there like? Cause remember, Wild Wild West was like Taco Bell, or I think or Burger King. I think Wild Wild West was Burger King. Does one of the franchise get? Uh, like a Disney prop, like you get the toys this year, or you get the toys well, this year. I'm pretty sure they bet on them each time I around. Think, I think Matt's right. Um, no kidding. The most obscure one that I remember uh, was the only, I, like, I've been to Dairy Queen two or three times <laughs> in my entire life. Well, it's not really a big deal here in here in the West Coast. Shout out to DQ. Um, Rockadoodle. <laughs> they had fucking Rockadoodle toys the, like the one time I went to Dairy Queen. I'll never forget that. <laughs> Seems appropriate. Somehow. Yeah, somehow it's like the you know the the sideshow bullshit cartoon that nobody saw, <laughs> as opposed to like, oh, do you remember the Batman Returns McDonald's toys? Those were kind of fun. Those were good. And the Super Mario ones. I had the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. <laughs> I had a, I had a few of those. Yeah. <laughs> so but, you so you went heavy right off the yeah. bat. So let's go with heavy. Let's just keep okay, that rolling. Well, do you want to go heavy or do you want to continue with with the dip situation? Because I have a dippy death. Go for it. So I've somehow managed to bring this up on every episode this month. The blob. The blob. Yes, <laughs> the blob. The blob. I'm not sure if you remember Matt, but I had a recurring nightmare when I was like eight to ten years old, I think. Okay. Um, partially inspired by a fucking Simpsons comic book that I read at the Seattle Public Library. It was called Sideshow Blob. <laughs> it was a Treehouse of Horror-inspired comic, and Sideshow Bob turns into a, a greenish-brown blob, and it's just the plot of the blob, but Sideshow Bob's head is poking out of it, and he's Chief Wiggum at the beginning. Anyway, uh, I've always had a deep-seated fear of the blob, and a lot of it comes from what it does to you. Uh, I, I just dip. <laughs> um, dissolving, I think, is maybe the single worst way to go. Okay. Uh, being Not only being dissolved, but enveloped by something. Uh, so you, you get crushed, you get suffocated, and you get to see it happen to yourself. <laughs> Probably not very fast. Anyway, uh, the 1988 remake of The Blob... Uh, very similar to the situation with the shoe and the dip uh, has a stakes setting death in its opening like 20 minutes or so um the first death in the film comes in the form of a homeless guy who pokes the blob with a stick and then gets it on his hand and then the blob works him over for a good evening or so and eventually grows large enough to consume an entire human being so it goes from like hand size to like human sized anyway the next death in the film is the one i wanted to focus on and it's actually a character that, funny enough, is set up to be like the hero of the movie. And it's a really fun double switch where Kevin Dillon with his fabulous flowing locks. <laughs> um, I, need, I need to show you a picture of what he looks like in the movie because it's pretty fucking amazing. 
Um, Kevin Dillon's like the renegade with the leather jacket and the motorcycle. You just said Kevin Dillon. I'm like, he had a leather jacket. Of course he did. It was 1988. Yeah. (laughs) Platoon was like the next year, I think. Um, Anyway, uh, so the the guy, though, the the second death in the movie is like in a letterman's jacket. And in any other horror movie, he'd be, you know, the stereotypical heroic teenager guy. And he's even the boyfriend to the the girl who ends up being the quote-unquote final girl, Shawnee Smith. Anyway... He walks into this room, and the blob's on the ceiling, and it falls on him. Next scene is Shawnee Smith coming into the room, and the blob is on him and pulling back on his face. And it's like a facelift-type situation, but Ah. with acid. And it's center frame, and he's got his arms reaching out towards the camera, and layers of him are being peeled off. And he grabs hold of Shawnee Smith, and she's stuck. Like, she's stuck holding his hand while this is happening. And eventually, he gets completely dissolved. And she's left holding what's left of his arm, and she passes out. It's gross. And it's all center frame. It's the blob. <laughs> and it's, it's blob. done incredibly well for its time. Uh, I will never forget that scene. That's the that is the scene that prevents me from rewatching that movie because See, fuck, it just it was like this is too much. And I, I I have watched many a horror film strictly for the gore effects. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I just can't handle like explicit like melting shit. Well, I actually have a perfect segue for that because I have one like for you for that as well, and I didn't think of it until these guys started talking. But uh, it goes from one into another one that I like. Uh, for me, the the dream it's not an actual death, but it's the dream that Sarah Connor has in Terminator Two. Uh, you you remember? Yeah, that? yeah. So That's a rough one. When I was a kid, I was like raised in a in a Christian household, so. I thought, I didn't understand, I watched it way too young, I didn't understand what was happening in the movie, I didn't know what Skynet was, so I thought it was God destroying the world with fire, and it was super fucking scary, and I actually just watched Terminator 2 uh, about a month ago, I skipped through that scene still, it still freaks me out. That's interesting you brought up too, the growing up in a religious household, because I knew a number of people too, similar raised, you know, in religious households, and same thing, like that that scene just totally... Mm -hmm wrecked them like for I, that reason i believe like it was just the most comparable to tales you know you'd heard in yeah. bible study or whatnot like just it's fucking brutal because she like she burns alive she's screaming and burning alive and then she just blows up blows up and then she's watching everybody else just turn into ash it's very heavy it's it's very layered too because it's a dream yeah but you don't learn that until later as a kid you probably can't piece that together but it's one of those dreams where something bad is happening you're aware of it you're trying to warn people but they aren't listening mm-hmm. so the the muted sound and her like banging on the on the fence and like you can see her face she's screaming freaking out and she sees herself like she sees herself in her child <laughs> like there's it's very heavy to be clear it's her twin sister sorry <laughs> <laughs> well yeah they found a way to work her in there because yeah. they cut her out of the the theatrical version otherwise that's a good way to start it off, because it actually brings me into the one I wanted to bring in next. Uh, uh, great acted ones is also in Terminator 2. Uh, the man who plays Dyson, I can't think of his name. Um, Joe Morton. Joe Morton. I remember saying his, de- <laughs> his death scene, uh, it's, it's, done, it's acted really well, but you actually really like the character at that point. He's only on screen, you only see him for like a, a minute before that, and then... He gets shot at and everything, but yeah, his death was fucking heavy in that movie. <laughs> it's so good, though. Yeah, it's incredibly well acted, very, very memorable. Um, made a fan out of me forevermore. Like, it was that and Speed. 
<laughs> don't get dead. <laughs> I've never heard that expression, but for some reason, he's he's borderline pantheon of one of those that guys of cinema. So like, that guy, yeah, yeah, no, like, yeah, for real. Like I only learned his name, I think, in the past like five years or something. But yeah, he's he's a he's a high tier that guy. <laughs> Tom Sizemore was a that guy for a long time for me. William Forsyth. He yes. did. In fact, his whole career went down the shitter the second he evolved beyond that guy. <laughs> like, the second everyone realized, oh, that's time size for him. Oh, he's a piece of shit. Like, <laughs> he, got, he got promoted to the big chair too early. <laughs> that guy who beat a hooker? His name is Tom Sizemore. <laughs> hey, didn't he have a good appearance on It's Always Sunny, though? He, he might be the best cameo on that show. <laughs> Seriously. It, it's fucking hilarious. He, I feel like... He's a horrible human being, yes. first and foremost. That goes without saying. We've but, done a Roman Polanski movie on here, so. <laughs> yeah, I, I was just going to say, though, in terms of ability, he's kind of in that weird Mickey Rourke like realm where he can only get shit roles at this point. Yeah. Because, you know, he's for obvious reasons. But the talent's still there. Yeah. So it just, it's so glaring, like, when he's in roles because he's on these shit C-list movies they go straight to Redbox. But when you compare the other actors around him, it's like, give the man the Oscar, fuck's sake. Like, Mickey Rourke should have just done The Wrestler, and that was it. That should He just yeah, should have went out on out. The Wrestler. Like, this one we always joke about is The Expendables. There's like a scene where <laughs> Mickey Rourke is in there, and it's a big dumb action movie, but the, he's literally just in it as a cameo. And he has one sequence where he's talking about this horrific like war atrocity, and it ruins the movie because you're, it gets so emotional out of okay. nowhere in this big, dumb, like, meathead fest. And all of a sudden, you're, like, almost in tears of him talking about this poor, like, little girl dying in a war zone. Interesting. Because yeah. he's just <laughs> such a good actor in comparison to everyone around him that you're like, oh, wow, I actually feel things. I'm no longer just <laughs> it's not in a... dumb guy, like, action mode. Yeah, it grinds the movie to a halt and it doesn't help that stallone's just like standing a good distance away from him by the way stallone directed that one so he's just like standing there and he's in the background of every shot and he just occasionally says yeah he's like flexing the <laughs> yeah, whole yeah, time he's just like, like just are you flexing always flexing uh, <laughs> but like you can tell that mickey rourke is just taking it for a walk like, well, he's can... just improvising the entire thing and stallone's only like he's not on that level so he's like i don't know what he's doing but like the camera's still running and i guess some I guess I'm just going to stand here. <laughs> I was going to say, it, I looked at the front cover of that, and I'm like, Mickey Rourke's probably the only person you can understand in that movie. Everybody else, it seems like they'd be pretty hard to... You're not wrong! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Jet Li, Dolph Lundgren, Sylvester Stallone. Subtitles, the, the, the Van, movie. Van Damme, after he's been living back in Belgium oh, or France for God knows how long, and his English is starting to slip. <laughs> well, I guess in that vein, I would... Uh, present a good act of death which would be uh russell case in independence day i would argue is randy quaid's best performance ever (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. in context yes and it's a good use of your i was actually gonna put that one on my list i didn't i'm like it might come up it's a good death that that was gonna be a badass death that heroic heroic Mm, yeah it's a heroic. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yes, yes. But I have a different one for badass. So yes, that would technically be a, a heroic death. Yeah, 
That's a pretty good one. Yeah, hello, boys. I'm back. You know, do I have well, just the moment where he, yeah, he just knows instantly what needs to be done. It's the one redeeming thing he's ever done with his life. Like it's it gets me. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, that tell my children I love them very much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That 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 hits me right in the feels. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I I agree wholeheartedly. I I love that death. It's spectacular. Oh, oh, I got one that, that fits the, the epic category as well as the heroic sacrifice category. All right. Uh, you're going to help, you're going to have to help me out with the name of the actor because okay. you would know him better than I being as he's been in a Coen Brothers movie. Okay. Volcano. The oh, train conductor. Oh, if you hadn't asked me, I would have just started net rattling off names. Um, uh, Zodiac, the guy from Zodiac. Oh, uh, fun fact, by the way, while I think of his name, uh, Zodiac, the, when he goes, when Jake Gyllenhaal goes to the house and he's like, oh yeah, it's right back here. That guy is the voice of Roger Rabbit. Um, so I'm sorry, folks. I I actually had to look it up. I, I, I need to know the, the fella's name is John Carroll Lynch Mm -hmm. and, uh, he is one of the fellas that works for the subway, I believe in, uh, in volcano, volcano. Yeah. anyway he gets one of the single most epic deaths in yeah. film history yeah. so throughout the the movie from like midway point onward there's this b plot of these folks that are trapped in like the la subway b plot it, it, is, it is the b slash c plot of this movie that has no plot yeah <laughs> volcano really. is a very very far second to dante's peak if you ask me Dante's Peak is by far the superior. It's coming up soon. Yeah. Uh, So anyway, John Carroll Lynch has this sequence where, so there's like a lava flow coming under the under the train cars, and it looks like he's in the depths of hell (laughs) because like there's like flame jets coming out the windows and shit, and he's like fireman carrying this guy. He's got this guy in the torture rack, and he's like walking him down the subway car out to the back. Because he's trying to meet up with his guys. He's trying to save this guy. And he's like saying the Lord's Prayer or something yeah. to himself. And he's drenched in sweat. And he gets to the end of the subway car. But oh no, the lava flow outpaced him. And so he's like, what am I going to do? I'm going to jump! By and like he, 10 feet, by the way. And they have that awesome <laughs> shot from the side angle where it's like, oh, there's no, no way. No, 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 <laughs> like, way. Like the lava's like 10 feet ahead of him. It's like... I don't care if you're an Olympian or, or if you're saying, a long jump competitor, no fucking way. If he dude. was 50 pounds lighter and had a running start, he would still die he in agony. He would still die horribly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he lands on his feet in the lava, but he heaves the guy over his shoulders. And the guy gets caught by his buddies. And they're dragging him away while he's like... Slow. Nobody could shoot him in the head, do him a solid. <laughs> he's like slowly being burnt down to nothing. He's just he's fading into the floor, into the lava, and I half expect him to give a thumbs up as he's going to. He was about to. I think he, he does. He, they do show his fingers. Yeah, it's they really do. They close. do show him go like all the way up to at least his chest. That would be kind of nice to have, just like an on-command uh, Tom Cruise from Collateral. Like at any time that I think I'm about to die a painful death, just pop, pop, pop. He just comes out of nowhere, <laughs> two in the chest. Fix it for you. <laughs> yeah, Mozambique drill, get it done quick, get it done right. Right out of there. <laughs> oh. So that was a heroic death. Uh, slash, slash just straight up epic. I mean, okay. It's so over the top and ridiculous in an otherwise mostly uneventful movie. Uh, I would say a badass death uh, for me, kind of a heroic death, is Carl Weathers in Predator. 
Uh, I think that's it's a pretty it's pretty gangster. Uh, Billy's he kind of goes out like a bitch, dude, because he's just like I'm I'm gonna like carve my chest a little bit. I'm gonna take this dude out. I don't even think he made it halfway, and he was the, halfway no, across the, the, the time. Stump. The time between him taking off his his necklace and cutting his chest it's and less, him screaming it's, it's less, a minute it's less than 10 seconds that predator just like ran up on him and that it was over. no time no time for this but carl weathers like he's like hanging back he's like no 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 we're gonna fucking take care of this shit uh he gets his arm sliced off and then he's still trying to make the shot and he just gets the fucking rah, the, his <laughs> his his death yell is awesome no, in that I, the setup to that death is so good because mm-hmm. his character is kind of you're, you don't really like him, though. I mean, he's fucking Carl Weathers. Of course you like him, but his character, he's always butting heads with Arnold. But and him and Mac, like, they, they, they actually they kind of find, yeah. they find some camaraderie there in their final moments. They have a plan. They're going to flank him. They're going to do all this. Doesn't go right. <laughs> and, yeah, the the arm coming off, like, it's still shooting when it's on the ground. It's... It's probably the best death for, like, one of the cooler people in the movie. It's probably the most violent death, except for maybe Jesse Ventura, because you get to see his chest get a hole put in it. Yeah. But, yeah, that one's excellent. I would argue it's actually more... It, it gets you more than Rocky Four too. Like, it, it actually... <laughs> it's you know, on there. I should have I mean, they're both on, the, like, up there, but... For Carl Weathers' deaths, that, that one I Carl would Weathers actually deaths. probably put ahead of it. Is he from Washington? I think, uh, he, I think he was living on Whidbey Island for a while. I don't know if he still is. I think he, I think but he lives I, here. I had a friend who, who lived over there and said, yeah, he's got like a ranch over here. And I was like, what? <laughs> so Matt, do you have an epic or a... Yeah, I got the most epic death? death of all time. It's uh, And it goes back to Mickey Rourke. It's oh. Stavros and Double Team. And I don't know if you're aware of this one, Kyle, no. because you've watched much better movies than my brother and I. But that's uncontested, yeah. So, <laughs> Double Team is is a movie that stars Jean Claude Van Damme, As, and, and he's playing. He has a twin brother. No, that's the good one. Oh. This is Jean Claude Van Damme paired up with, with Dennis, Dennis Rodman. Rodman. I remember the I remember the cover of that movie very very vividly. Do yourself a favor one of these days <laughs> and look up the Wikipedia. Don't watch the damn movie because it's terrible. <laughs> but look up the Wikipedia and just read the plot synopsis because it is the most bizarre movie you're ever going to see. Even for Jean Claude, that's a bizarre movie. Yeah. Okay. Chinese director, right? Yeah, I want us. It's. Got... I, I think it was a case where they they imported a Hong Kong director because it's like yeah, people like John Woo. They like that. Twin gun action. They like yeah. the flippy dippy shit. Let's let's dubs. see what he's got. Does he got dubs? So John Woo was a thing at the time. Gotcha. Anyways, Mickey Rourke plays Stavros, the villain in this movie, and the way he dies at the end, which you know, it's a Jean Claude Van Damme movie. You know that it ends with an epic fight scene at the end. They're in a recreated Roman Colosseum. It's not the true Roman Colosseum, but it's it's a replica in Rome. Mm-hmm. There's landmines all throughout the ground. They're fighting. Dennis Rodman somehow manages to switch where these landmines are. So Mickey Rourke ends up stepping on one. Oh yeah, by the way, there's a live tiger that's on the loose and chasing him around. So the way Mickey Rourke goes out is he's standing on a landmine. Jean-Claude escapes. And he has this single tear running down his eye as this tiger leaps to pounce on him. And just as the moment the tiger's about to maul him, he steps off the landmark and they all explode. And the whole entire Coliseum comes down. The only thing that prevents Des Rodman and Jean-Claude Van Damme from dying 
is a well-placed coke machine that somehow survives the brunt of the blast. Are you fucking with me? Cause no, not at all. <laughs> all those things. Like, actually like you thought the refrigerator it. in the Indiana Jones movie was bad. This is... You haven't seen Double Team. <laughs> way worse. No, like like I said, he actually like kind of downplayed it. Wow. <laughs> the single tear gets me. But and again, it's Mickey Rourke. The acting does not match the stupidity of the sequence. Like, it's actually, like, the look on his face is actually touching. Like, it's like, oh my gosh, this man knows he's about to die. And then the tiger leaps up on him. It's, and the landmine goes off. It's perhaps one of the greatest still frames in cinema history. Like, the explosion coming up from the ground and the tiger coming like, up. coming at him at the same time. In a Roman Coliseum. In a Roman Coliseum. <laughs> Yeah, uh, look up the scene. I might watch sure. it. I, it's I, a thirty-second clip on YouTube. I've watched movie. it on the way over here. I mean, don't, I watch the movie. I can put myself through these things. Don't don't watch it's, the movie. Save yourself two hours. But read two. Oh yeah, yeah read the me. Wikipedia, the plot synopsis, because it takes a radical turn. Like, I will watch any movie word of mouth if it's under ninety minutes. If it's ninety-six minutes or less, like that's all right, a good policy. Yeah, I'll watch that. That's good enough for me. Uh... <laughs> So I guess we're going to go into funny here for a minute. Uh, that that sounds like it. Do you, is that something along those lines? Uh, yeah. Or, yeah Mickey, we can or Mickey Rourke related? I don't know. I don't have any Mickey <laughs> Rourke. Uh, I, I have a couple of arguably funny ones. Okay. Yeah. I've got I've got a few for that. Okay. So well, I mean, we could roll with you this want, for a minute. You want to kick off funny or should I? Go ahead. Okay. So these are both actually pretty closely related in fact all three of these all three of my funny kills come from horror movies oh interesting <laughs> um and two of them involve jason Voorhees. <laughs> uh, so the first one is from uh friday the 13th 7 uh the new blood that's the one it's the first one with kane hodder and it's the one with it's basically carrie versus jason uh she has telekinesis and uh Bernie from Weekend at Bernie's is like kind of commanding her. What? He's trying to use her powers for his evil deeds or whatever. Can you describe the video storefront cover, please? Uh, that one? <laughs> that's how I know the that's No, how I, I know. know. I, that's movies. why I'm laughing. It's brilliant. <laughs> I get it. I think I get the cover of that one confused with Takes Manhattan because I think Takes Manhattan is him just like the mask and like his hand like weirdly close to his face holding a knife. Okay. And, I can't remember the cover for Seven, actually. Okay. Um, Jason Goes to Hell is... That's the, the worm. The worm, yeah. The, the hellfire and the worm. I, so I don't remember the cover for that one, but uh, this one's called The Sleeping Bag Kill. It's one of the more famous ones. Basically, yeah, I remember mm, that yeah, one. Yeah, it's, it's humorous. It's not terribly violent, even. It's just funny, because basically Jason stumbles across some campers in the woods. Gotta die. Drags this lady out, and she's stuck in her sleeping bag because she's doing her you know capitiller thing she's, yeah. <laughs> she's all bundled up yeah she's all cozy for the night and he grabs her by the legs and he takes her out to a tree and he just like kind of looks at the tree and he's like well that math adds up <laughs> <laughs> and he just like heaves her around and she hits it smack in the middle like he like baseball Eesh. swings her into the tree and it's just like whack <laughs> and it's only one hit and the music goes along with it perfectly it's like the same score from all of those movies um but I guess, I guess there's a director's cut version like where he's just like whack, 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 whack. But, and I guess Kane Hodder was always like, man, I had a lot of fun doing that. I wish they put all the extra whacks in there. <laughs> but on the same note, there's another movie called Prophecy, directed by John Frankenheimer, uh, the guy who directed many a classic film. Uh, he's notorious for being kind of an alcoholic, especially on the set. Uh, <laughs> he did The Island of Dr. Moreau, 
uh, oh, the, the actual release. Gotcha. Of the okay. 90s. He's the one that came in after Long Haired Guy came. Yeah. In? Okay. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, was it Richard Stanley or something? Something like that. Um, anyway, uh, the prophecy <laughs> I think was from the late seventies, and it has an eclectic cast. It's like Talia Shire and Armand Asante as a Native American. Oh <laughs> I love Armand Asante. <laughs> He's like Stallone light. I was very happy to see him in Judge Dredd. I was saying Judge. Dredd, I was a Judge Dredd or the one I always get. Conf- Judge Dredd or Tang, not Tangle and Cash. There's another one I'm, I'm missing here. Judge oh. Dredd. There's another Stallone one I can't think of. It's all right. It doesn't matter. Right <laughs> well, anyway, uh, in the prophecy, the prophecy is about a mutated bear monster. Uh, yeah, it, I, I like my monster on the loose movies. Anyway, there's there's like envi- an environmentalist plot going on because it's the late '70s. You know, ah, chemicals. Oh yeah, and no idea. <laughs> <laughs> there's a. Uh, there's another sleeping bag kill, and based and the timing on this one's absolutely hilarious. Uh, it's sometimes also known as the exploding sleeping bag kill, <laughs> because this this mutated bear monster runs up on a you guessed it a gal in a sleeping bag, and then just hard cut to a tree and a sleeping bag with just feathers in it goes whack and just like flies light speed across the frame and slaps against this tree and it explodes. <laughs> Damn it. It explodes into down and blood. Damn it. It's just, I'm sorry, the timing of it's just really hilarious. I've always thought it was funny. You made me think of one with a bear that I will bring up. We've actually talked about it on another episode, but it's not funny. But So I'm going to put a pin in that. Well, that's enough funny for me. What do you guys got? <laughs> uh, so I, I could probably just rattle them off. Uh, no, the one from Punisher Warzone, which is just a funny movie altogether. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, Hilarious. But there's, uh, so uh, Jigsaw has uh, some goons. <laughs> he has some goons that they do parkour and they smoke crystal meth from what I understand. Uh, and they look like they're about to go rob something. They're parkouring up. And one jumps across. A second one jumps across. And then out of fucking nowhere, an RPG just <laughs> explodes the third one. It's so fucking funny. It's out of nowhere. And I didn't even know he was watching them. Like, <laughs> well, I mean, it's shot from like a flat angle. It's like you don't expect anything to happen. Then all of a sudden, this poorly CGI rocket flies in and blows up this guy. Like a, a guy who smokes meth and does parkour is like, D- was that necessary? Do we really need to do that? Yeah, they did some weird shit there because, like, they combined like the parkour crackhead thing, but they also put McGinty from from the Punisher Max comics, who's the black, like, literally yeah. African black. Irish guy. Yeah. So McGinty. Have, he's a black Irish parkour crackhead. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it happens, I'm sure. I don't know if you put this on your list, but I thought when you said Punisher Warzone, there's another funny death in there that I think is even funnier. Uh, is it the kidneys? No. Okay. No, no. It, everything with Looney Bin Jim is just cringy. Very cringy. Yeah, his no, personal no. life is cringy too. Yeah. Oh yeah. The, he's the one with the young gal, right? Yeah. yeah that's right. Uh, um, no, the the death that I thought of when you said Punisher Warzone is when they're in. Uh, she's been on many of our episodes. I think. Um, Julie Benz. Julie Benz. Yes. Yeah. When we're when we're at Julie Benz's house, and uh, oh, we're there yes. for like a half hour about, for yeah. some reason because this movie's really low budget and we only got this house for like two days. We're yeah. to do every scene here. Headshot. Yeah. You, you want to walk us through it, Kyle? Uh, go ahead. I, I remember the headshot. I don't remember everything leading up so, to it. So we had Jigsaw has a couple of heavies with him, both both of whom are also from the comics. It's like Ink and I forget uh, Some Mitzi, fat guy. I think. Yeah. Fitzy? 
some uh, guy and, yeah anyway the guy is sitting at the at the dining room table and and like there's a cop there and he's like i'm gonna arrest this guy frank castle you hang back there i gotta put the cuffs on this guy and he's like going about his business and frank castle just kind of like pulls up a shotgun and shoots the guy while he's trying to handcuff him and his reaction is like god damn it castle <laughs> it was pretty funny just, i forgot about that just one just how nonchalant it is it's like we don't have time for this <laughs> god damn it castle punisher not law and order guy i'm the punisher uh i'll just i'll just throw off another funny one because i've got quite a few um uh, you have have you seen Zombieland yet? I have not. I'm gonna skip that one then. No, 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 please. Spoiler. <sighs> I don't want it's to. been a while. Have you seen Zombieland? Yeah. You know where I'm going oh, with yeah. this probably. Uh, so Zombieland, uh, one of the dumbest lines in the movie is they go to this estate in Hollywood, the whole group, and it says uh, BM, and he's like, "It's not Bob Marley." I'm like, "Well, Bob Marley's dead. Why the fuck would it be Bob Marley?" They go to Bill Murray's house, and they don't think he's there. And they're like hanging out with them. Uh, Emma Stone and Woody Harrelson are smoking weed with them. And they're like, so Jesse Eisenberg's in the other room with that little girl. And he's a pussy. So you're going to go sneak up on him. And, like just scare him. So he acts like he's a zombie. Goes in there and just gets shot in the chest. Like he doesn't know. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, that wasn't much of a practical joker. But this, this whole scene with Bill Murray is really fucking funny. Makes me, for some reason, uh, Brad Pitt in Burn After Reading gang shot. Yeah. For some yeah. reason. <laughs> That's a good one. It, it, it's, it, yeah. yeah the, it's the timing, for some reason, I'm picturing it being simple. And you have to, it's Bill Murray playing himself. And yeah. It, yeah, and it plays part. out as if, like, it literally feels like they just showed up at his house and, and he just kind of played along with the whole gag. Like, it, it but, doesn't seem like he's acting. But so. it's, it's heavy at the same time because if you're watching it and you're a Bill Murray fan, you're like, Bill Murray's going to be in the movie. Woody Harrelson and Bill Murray? This is going to be fun. And then he's just shot in the chest. <laughs> right, Matt, what do you got yeah, for funny? You got to have a couple. I actually didn't have any funny. Uh, well, I mean, you uh, started off with the shoe. It probably put you down a really dark well, path. Yeah. <laughs> well, between that and the fact that, like, I, I think it says something about me that, like, I'm the oldest guy in the room here, and almost everything I picked is cartoons. But <laughs> I, I get the closest I have to funny, and, and it's it's a fucked up thing, but it's comical if you separate yourself from it. And let me explain. <laughs> it's Transformers, the animated movie, oh. which near and dear to my heart, one of my all time favorites. In the opening sequence, Ironhide, Ratchet, Brawn, and Prowl, four of the most prominent characters from this animated cartoon, are all murdered. <laughs> like, brutally. Not just like they die, like, literally, like, gunned down, slowly shot. Ironhide gets it real fucking bad. We're and talking. He's like, fan favorite. Now, here's why this is funny. Because this was in the era before we had advanced data, mm-hmm. and no one really knew what the fuck kids liked. So we had this show that was relatively successful, and the toy company that produced the show wanted to reintroduce a new line of toys. So they figured, what a better way to introduce these toys by killing off all the child your childhood favorites in this movie so we can bring about the new heroes. Jeez. So we're talking four characters, four prominent characters from the cartoon that regularly would go to battle with these Decepticons, and we're talking like they had a feud and they would always come out unscathed. It was the old G.I. Joe thing where it's like you'd have these gun battles, no one dies, these ones are always victorious, the bad guys always run away. Well, this shit opens up with all four of these guys and you expect them to like hold their own? No, they're instantly gunned down. Ironhide literally crawls on the ground to try to thwart 
Megatron from planning the sneak attack on Earth, and he's shot in the face. Point blank. It feels like I guess the equivalent would be like I loved the Power Rangers TV show. I worshipped it. And I was a big fan of Tommy. The, mm-hmm. We all were. We all Kyle. were. <laughs> but it would have been like if they brought in the movie, and then he like land, like he like in the opening shots they do the skydiving and come down, and then out of nowhere someone just comes up and <laughs> shoots him in the head. Bulk and Skull show up at school with guns. <laughs> just mow him. Just mow him down. Straw that broke the camel's back. <laughs> you could have killed the who's the white guy, the the Red Ranger. Jason. Well, it was kind of like when the three Rocky. characters left the show and they just kind of unceremoniously replaced them with new students. Like, yeah. it was the same idea, except for imagine those three students were brutally murdered rather than going <laughs> off on some, like, mission, I think, was what the excuse was. Building jump RPG. It, I think it was, like, International Peace Program or yeah. something. Yeah. It, it was like a peace conference Jeez. that somehow lasts the next decade. <laughs> yeah, so... I have to go now. My planet needs me. What? <laughs> <laughs> Just in terms of, like, the stupidity of the producers involved, to think that this was the proper way to go about this. Well, it's just mind-boggling to me. One thing I don't... Maybe you guys can explain this to me, and... Superman dies in the comics, so that's that's a big thing. Yeah. But we know he's gonna come back. Like at the time did people think oh no superman's actually dead like this is he's never he's never going to come back I think there was more certainty that there was less certainty that he was going to come back Okay because death death in comic books like there there's kind of like a rule that actually I think has been broken since but it used to be there were like three characters that would never come back I think they've all come back at some point but it was like Uncle Ben Spider-Man's Uncle Ben He's permanently dead right He came back I think briefly You got to um, be kidding me even Peter Parker's parents came back at one point. Nope, they and, never uh, existed. Bucky, the Winter Soldier, he was permanently dead for a very long time. He decades. has superpowers, that's fine. But he, in the comics, he didn't. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, he came back to. Point is, in comics, like there is like a general idea of death being kind of a revolving door. But like Superman, that was a big fucking deal. Um, and like like Matt said about the Transformers, uh, his death, funny enough, was brought on by low comic sales. It was a publicity stunt. That was gotcha. the other part of it, was more so that, like, when they killed him off, it actually felt like they were just kind of done. Yeah. And that's good. what actually reintroduced comics to the mainstream. That I mean, there's a reason why that Death of Superman movie is on my shelf. It's not good, but that is the comic that got me to read comics, and it, maybe even you too, Matt, because I read your comics. <laughs> so, in the Zack Snyder Batman versus Superman, yeah. like, uh, he dies at the end of that, correct? Ish. <laughs> For like 30 seconds. Yeah, yeah. They don't even commit to the getting... In the movie, they don't no, even commit. They don't even commit to it through the credits. Like, they even tease his comeback before the credits. But uh, funny, like, I don't want to leave Transformers just yet, because there's, there's a lot there. Um, Wheeljack was one of your favorites, right? He doesn't even get the dignity of being killed on screen. He's just a dead body that gets dragged out of a dark corner that's like... Oh, what? He's Yeah, dead. it goes He's beyond dead? these first four. Like, that first four was super jarring. Because, like yeah. I said, you went from, like, the Saturday morning cartoon where it's like, oh, they're having a gun battle. Everything's going to be okay. To, like, no, this is a war. <laughs> Somebody shot Tommy from Rugrats in the yeah. first movie. <laughs> and then it 
continues because then like throughout this massive battle that happens you see multiple other characters very visually distinctive characters yeah. they're un you cannot mistake them for any other like it's not a generic I would probably robot know who they are yeah yeah and they're literally <laughs> dead like being drug out like bodies in the middle of combat like like it just went full on oh yeah mind you the movie also begins with a giant planet eating another planet <laughs> And then burning all of the residents who managed to survive in acid that are somehow contained within the planet-eating planet. Yeah, one of the one of the shots that always stuck out to me, and a lot of it actually has to do with the sound, which I know is something you guys were talking about when I was taking a piss. Um, when when Unicron is eating the planet, uh, we actually see some people attempting to leave the planet on shuttles, but he sucks them back. Ooh. Like they they come towards the camera, and then the ship reverses and goes straight into his mouth, and it makes this weird like <laughs> sound that I always I always thought they were saying like "Where's Prime?" and I was like, "Yeah, where is Prime <laughs> to stop this shit?" Mm. Um, also, I mean, needs to be said, Optimus Prime dying in the film is maybe one of the weightiest deaths of. My childhood. Not, no. Probably not yours, Kyle. But No. Um, the one that Mom always thought was funny, though, was, uh, I forget the name of the, the race of robots or whatever, but on the Quintessons planet with the Sharkticons, mm -hmm. the, Spare me this mockery of justice! <laughs> <laughs> she always thought that line was great. It's pretty bad acting. Yeah. <laughs> and I always thought it was funny that they, they, they do their verdict, and they're like, Guilty or innocent? And they always say innocent. And then they dropped him to the Sharkticon. So I'm always curious, what happens if you're guilty? <laughs> like, On voice acting, how different is G.I. Joe from Transformers? If you were in the other room, would it take you a few minutes to figure out which one was on? This uh, I think Transformers is more distinctive. Okay. Um, Sergeant Slaughter in G.I. Joe is the most hilarious thing to look at. Is he the one who talks like this? No, that's Cobra Commander, dude. <laughs> Sergeant Slaughter was Sergeant Slaughter from wrestling. Oh, okay. But they put him in the cartoon. They cartoonized him. <laughs> yeah. But all his voice recording sounds like he's this far away from the mic! <laughs> Get in line, Joes! <laughs> it's like he didn't know how to do it or something. He had to actually <laughs> scream to do it? No, he sounds like he's 50 feet away from the microphone that's and weird. I don't know why. <laughs> Uh, a funny one that I just remembered, he's not actually a main character, but the, the cockroach that dies in the fifth element, uh, when Debo... President Debo! Bam, just the fucking, <laughs> that was pretty fucking cool! Because he's just so nonchalant, and then, bah, he almost makes a noise when he does it. Oh, Sorry. He, he had fun with that. that President know. Debo. No. I would vote for him. <laughs> um, I do have a disappointing movie death, though, I thought of. I don't know if I have any of those, I, no, no, I, I want to hear. No, it just came up when we were talking. Um... Because I have a few where I'm like, fuck, I wish they hadn't died. Or, man, that was really satisfying. But the bad guy, Al Alfie, I can't think of his name. He's from Game of Thrones. I know him as Theon Greyjoy. Um, he's the the guy who kills the puppy in John Wick. His death was very disappointing. Because you guys were talking about how they're just, like, pulling Optimus Prime away. I'm like, he dies. and like He, he doesn't even die on screen. Like, he's already dead, basically. I'm like, that's it? It's also two-thirds of the way through the movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, we still have a lot of movie left. Yeah. The pacing of that movie is very strange. It's strange. It's very strange. Really good, but strange. Also, but his you death know, your, very your, your climactic battle is a, a fist fight in the rain with a Scandinavian oh, man stupid. that's 10 years your senior or whatever. I wanted him to just, like, put holes in that dude's head and, and then we just but get you're, like. Yeah, you're not wrong, though. That was very Thank flat you. for the guy who was the catalyst for 
I'm guessing four movies we're going to be getting at least. <laughs> at least at four, least. He's possibly still, he's five. He's still killing people because of that guy's fuck up. Yeah. Um. Do you have any disappointing ones, man? I know that there's some, uh, but no, none of them came to mind. Okay, I didn't write this down, but when you say disappointing deaths, I'm sorry, but uh, Tom Hardy's Bane in The Dark Knight Rises... Oh, yeah, you're not alone uh, on that. ...definitely sticks out to me as a fucking missed opportunity. We don't... We get... I think Ra's al Ghul's death is decent. That's the only one we get. I think it's pretty good. Um, It's like... I don't have to say. I'm not gonna kill you, but I don't have to save you. Yeah, but yeah, that that's very Batman-ish. Fine. Joker and, doesn't die, and I like well, I like Liam Neeson's acting where he just kind of like closes his eyes and he's just like, it's 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 the Mickey Rourke effect where it's like this is an actor doing a thing where it's like, oh, he he knows he's about to die. This yeah. is him accepting that um, in his Liam Neeson stone-faced way. But Tom Hardy's Bane. I didn't think he died. I thought he just yeah, got I hit forgot by a car. It, uh, so I, I thought he was just in jail. Yeah, a lot, a lot of people forget what happened. And basically he has a fist fight with, with Batman in the streets. And like the whole last act of that movie drives me nuts. Because it feels like it's incredibly rushed. And I think it had to do with the fact that they were shooting in like on actual Wall Street. Um, with tons of extras. Like it feels act, like it. Extras getting stunt pay because they're doing like stage combat in the background. It feels incredibly rushed. The choreography is non-existent. It, it, and Batman uppercuts him and kicks him through a door, and then he turns into a little puppy, uh, thereby like removing all the pathos, all the all the energy that that character had. And I think it's an electrifying performance. I love his his yeah, vein. I think yeah. it's great. Oh, he demands your respect when he comes on screen. No, I fucking love yeah, it. It's right? such a unique performance. Oh, I, like, I, I've pretty much memorized every frame of film that he's in in that movie because I, I adore that performance. But yeah, the way he meets his end is he's about to kill Batman. He gets his good final line. Like, we both the, know you had to kill you now. Yeah, and it's like, you'll just have to reimagine the fire. <laughs> and then he gets shot by a Catwoman who's off screen <laughs> And a wire, like a, a wire gag stunt crew, yank him across the room, and he slides into the corner, and we just accept that he's dead. I'm, I'm thinking of Denzel Washington. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Actually, I got one. Um, Die Hard Three. Like, oh, are you going funny or are we no? Just Simon? disappointing. Simon? Like, yeah, oh, yeah that's just, pretty disappointing. Because, like, when you compare, it to, like, I'm, I, I exclude anything after that one. Like, it all oh, just not, went to hell. Those aren't things, but. Yeah. Look at the way the first two ended. And then look at this one. Like, it's like an afterthought. They just show up in a fucking helicopter with an M60. Like, it's just not anyone. In Canada, too, by the way. I like, uh, I think. I watched that movie with dad on the couch at one point and I remember we all did yeah it's it's a dad movie for sure like uh, our our dad's uh, nickname for the movie was wise guy I can tell you the wise guy franchise because he could never remember the name (laughs) he couldn't remember die hard it was too difficult (laughs) he would go yeah you know the the wise guy (laughs) I'm like you get it it, mo- it was code, Kyle. Most, I'm pretty <laughs> I, ha- I had to remember this so he could so because he couldn't. Any living man that's a dad at this point can say his favorite beer and the word and the word die hard. I'm pretty sure. Like, not not our yeah. dad. <laughs> He's a bit older. Yeah, it's true. He was a nom. Yeah. <laughs> but I remember watching that that scene with Dad, and I remember him like going up <laughs> because the way Bruce Willis kill Simon Gruber at the end of that movie is with a, a snub-nosed 38 revolver at Enough. distance 
He doesn't try to shoot the guy, mind you. He shoots the power line to hit the helicopter rotor to cause it to spin out and then explode. And what's really funny, though, is that it was an afterthought. It was a reshoot. Have you seen the original ending? No. Um, uh, Simon Gruber gets away. Like, oh. They get away. Yeah, that's how it felt. Like, the yeah. movie just kind of ends when they... But is... there's an epilogue where John McClane, on his own, independent of the FBI and stuff, catches up to him somewhere in Europe, and they play a game of Russian roulette with a law, like a single-use rocket launcher. So nah. they spin it, like spin the bottle, basically. And then it shoots a rocket straight through Simon Cooper's stomach. It's equally dumb, but it's much more intimate. And it doesn't have the stupidity of, of a man at distance using the shittiest fucking handgun in the world to shoot a power line um, in Nova Scotia. <laughs> did you have one you were going to throw in here? No, no, that was mine. Oh, um, I have one. Uh, uh, I'm not sure if you guys thought about this one, but uh, an implied or off-screen death. Um, gonna, I have one for you that have one? category. Awesome. So. I, have, I have two. Uh, the one... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I wasn't expecting that. Um, Monsieur Gu- Gustave in the Grand Budapest Hotel. Uh, I took that. I took that death really hard because that uh, that perform uh, Ray Fiennes' performance is so good. Uh, and you just love that character, and then he just kind of mentions passing like he died that day when they asked for his papers. They ended up shooting him there. Mm. I'm like, well, fuck, like that. It was just a really disappointing. Um, I think my favorite. Uh, just I can imagine what the death must have been like. Is Pulp Fiction when Ving Rhames gets a hold of the hillbilly boy? <laughs> he says, "I still don't know what he's doing." He's like, "I'm gonna go to town on you with a blowtorch and a pair of pliers." Extremely specific. I know he has his own idea what he's gonna do. I have no clue what it's gonna be, especially after that whole sequence. Yeah, if you don't know what happens, uh, he is sexually assaulted. <laughs> Uh, sexually assaulted uh, by an officer, and uh, the tables get turned. And I don't know if you've seen Ving Rhames, but he is towering over this guy with a shotgun. He's a large man. He's huge. And yeah, any anything he does from this point forward is well warranted. Well warranted, <laughs> and he's a criminal, so he's gonna hold nothing back. But I'm just like, I just imagine like what hell did he put him through i'd imagine he's very creative too yeah <laughs> blow he, torch stri- no- he strikes me as a creative type if the, if those were the tools that came to mind blow torch and a pair of pl- i'm like what the f- <laughs> i have no idea where we're going with this he's an artiste he makes yeah. art until somebody dies <laughs> don't rub another man's rhubarb oh do you have an off-screen one no off-screen death um and this one actually is is fascinating it, it it's a side tangent here but so there's a genre of movies that you two guys probably don't ever partake in, and it's dying off. Try me. And those are cable TV movies. Yeah, you got me. <laughs> that if you grew up in the era where cable TV was a thing, yeah. there were certain movies that would constantly play on networks like USA and whatnot, like the second tier channels, because they could get them cheap. Yeah. That's why things like the Rocky Fours and, you know... Blood Anything sport. made by Jean-Claude Van Damme <laughs> kind of resonate because when you were homesick, this was the only shit on TV. Are these movies that were released on the cable network? Like, no, no, okay, no. Okay. These were theatrical releases that didn't do so hot, and so thus they were dirt cheap to syndicate. Gotcha. It still goes on, and this is a, my secret conspiracy with this, and I don't even think it's a conspiracy. I'm pretty sure it's accurate, but the reason they're remaking so many of these garbage movies from 
and beloved movies equally from like the 80s and 90s is because they fit into this realm. A lot of money is being made in re-airing these on crappy channels that people who are still paying for cable are paying for, and they just air constantly. If you turn it on, the remake of Total Recall will be on. Oh, yeah. The remake of, you know, Kindergarten Cop 2 will be on. Like, all this garbage is playing constantly throughout. And Adam Sandler? <laughs> just Adam Sandler? Because well, I, mean, I don't think he's had a successful Well, he's got his role. Netflix contract, so he's in a different realm altogether. But I'm talking just like second-tier movies that, like, the intention was never really to be successful at the box office. Okay. It was, it's going to live on forever because you updated something that person my age, if I have a kid, would be like, yeah, Total Recall was an awesome movie. But if I show my kid the original one, they're going to look at it and say, this is garbage and dated, and yeah. how could you possibly think that that looks real? So I have to show them the CGI garbage because that's what looks like everything else they watch these days. Makes sense. That tangent aside... Stephen King movies are secretly the MVP of these t- this genre. Fucking I think you're 100% because correct. the best movies in this genre are the types of things that you can turn on midway through and you'll continue to watch. Again, that's why like Rocky IV is another one that would be on the Mount Rushmore of cable TV <laughs> movies. Because no matter what time you turn that movie on, it's in the middle of a montage. So you're going to get hooked and watch the 10 minutes and then the network gets their $2 or whatever and thus the cycle continues. Stephen King movies, even the heavy ones like The Shining, you can turn it on almost any point in time. You're probably gonna watch for ten to fifteen minutes, mm-hmm. if not the whole rest of the movie. Which Stephen? Which Shining? The Jack Nicholson Shining or the not Jack Kubrick? Nicholson? Kubrick, man. No, okay. Not, yeah, yeah. Not, oh, I was well, not you, the not the made for TV. Not the Stephen that's what I, no, 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 no. We're not talking made for TV movies. We're talking like curious. real no, movies. No, no, no. That, okay, okay. No, that that aired when it came out and never again. <laughs> never again. <laughs> so that all being said, Stand by Me with uh river phoenix's character Mm -hmm. now the people always forget this because in the very beginning of the movie it's revealed that he's dead like that's literally the opening sequence is richard dreyfus sitting and he looks at a paper that says chris chambers murdered in bar fight and then the movie kicks off and you're introduced to a character within five to ten minutes named chris chambers so it's obvious who he is but nobody remembers that beginning part. And majority of people who have rewatched that movie or watched it with their dad on the couch, they pick up about midway through it. And at that point, that's why it gets them at the very end when it comes back and it reminds you, oh yeah, he was brutally murdered in a bar fight. After you just had watched this gripping tale of all these kids bonding and you realize how much the main protagonist loves this guy mm-hmm. and how much it helped him get through a very difficult period of time in his life. And so it hits you that much harder. But if you actually sat down and watched the movie from the very beginning, it wouldn't really, because you'd realize he's dead within the first five minutes. Yeah, uh, I mean... And I would be willing to bet that the majority of people, when they think back on that movie, do not remember this opening (laughs) sequence. And as a result, it gets them every time when they just have the epilogue, where you just see River Phoenix walking along, and it's like, oh yeah, he's dead. Yeah, uh, it's funny you mention that, because that is... That is a really heavy thing that even I forgot until you started talking about it. And it makes so much sense because even the, the core narrative of the movie is about a bunch of kids going to see a dead body. Yeah. Like, it's a it's the a story. A lot of dead kids in that movie. No, the, the story <laughs> is about that subject in particular. So it's like, it's, it's funny that that movie did get played on like TNT and TBS and stuff constantly. But there's an additional layer there that, that it's easy to overlook, but you really shouldn't. <laughs> 
because I, I I stand by stand by me. I think it's a very good film, like top to bottom. Kyle, oh, I not, hate it. You're, I mean, you're not a big fan. No, of it. it's pretty. Their their kids are too intelligent. Like the the dialogue is just way above them. Like the way they communicate with each other. Everyone knows you're destined for great things. It's man. it's not the best Feldman. No, it's it's not the best use. Uh, don't get. Feldman. I like I like Corey Feldman. I I love the Burbs. <laughs> You haven't seen Trevor hasn't seen Goonies. Um, I haven't seen Goonies, but uh, Sleepers actually. Oh God uh, damn it! I'm sorry. Uh, I'll I'll let you have the death. But I the, literally just when, wrote when it down. When you're talking about Stand by Me, the the end of that movie is like the beginning, I guess, of Stand by Me, where we get this like happy reunion dinner with everybody, and then oh by the way, all these guys are dead. <laughs> <laughs> have fun <laughs> good... hope you enjoyed the movie <laughs> literally while you were talking I don't know what made me think of it but Sleepers popped in I had to write it down before I well, it's, it's, it's a Bacon? similar concept yeah. in a lot of ways it's children navigating really difficult circumstances very difficult circumstances Sleepers always rubs me the wrong way because that was one of those original that was one of the first of that horrific trend that it's kind of died off now, but of where the novelist claimed it was all real. Oh, yeah. And that's oh, really? the only reason it vaulted to everyone's like mind. It was like, oh, my God, you need to read this. Look how horrible this guy's life was. And it was a total work of fiction. So. They did that with, um, oh. Uh, I mean, the Million Little Pieces was the big one that Oprah was like pushing. And then it there, was revealed it was all made up. But Precious. Precious, they kind of, they didn't, I don't think they marketed it as uh, this is based on an actual story. I don't know if you're familiar they, with it. They film. marketed it as it was, it was a novel. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it's based off a novel. So you're like, oh, it's a true story. And yeah. it, it's not. It was it, very kind of left, like it's vague. it's f- fucked up. Like the movie's really fucked up. And like, well, this isn't, this isn't doing anything. Like. This isn't an actual story. You're just doing something awful to this hypothetical character. It's just shitty. So, what category we want to touch on here? Because I, I've got, I've got like just like top tier awesome. I've got horrific. I've, uh, I've got like dramatically just like awesome. I was gonna say let's bring. I, I, I could bring it down. Let's get some of the uh, like the heavy. Like I've got a few like heavy like just, like downer shit. Yeah, like like the fuck really. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, I think I've got one at the ready, but you're the oh. guy. You're the guy taking us into this territory. So how about you start it off, Kyle? Uh, I uh, hereditary uh, was one that just impacted the story. Just the the daughter dying was just like fuck. Matt, have you seen that? I can't say that I have. I'm not gonna talk. I about may th- have. There's a lot of movies that I've seen that I'm like, eh. That that was one that I was just thinking. I'm like, fuck. That really like that was a heavy death. But no, the one uh, the one really heavy one. Um, that got me was uh the departed <laughs> when leo because mm. like i even i just happened to catch that scene when i hadn't even seen the movie and i caught that scene like what fucking movie is this and then years later i watched it and i didn't realize that was the scene and when it happened i'm like fuck because at that point like he's gone through so like it, so yeah, many close calls it was perfect and you're just like all that that whole fucking time, like he's actually gonna catch Matt because you really don't like Matt Damon at this point, yeah. and you're like he's gonna finally fucking get his. And There's done. no one else. There's no one else. There's no one else. And that one especially stings too because it it you realize like this poor guy who had no real legacy is now left with legacy of being just scum to so many. Like because yeah, yeah, Matt Damon deleted his file too. Yeah, so like he, he basically doesn't exist, and the few people who do know him hate his guts. So yeah, yeah that was like an awful. God damn it. Yeah, that was a rough one. Um, 
I don't have any on that level. Like oh, they're okay. they're like emotionally like fuck. <laughs> but I ha- I have a couple that that was very Brian Cox-ish. <laughs> that's that's that was I literally. <laughs> did you did you send him that clip? I don't oh, think I have. Gosh. But if you still have it, you. I don't have it anymore. Oh, I'd have to look through I, our thread. I might. I'll have to find the Brian Cox fuck. Do you have Netflix? Do you not? Yeah. yeah. Okay. We, I'll just give you the timestamp. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, so one that. Uh, I'm actually surprised nobody's thrown out there yet, but Quint from Jaws. I had a feeling you were. I didn't mm. put it on there. I had a feeling. Jo- you I mean, Jaws out. is very special to yeah. me. That, I mean, talk about dad movies. Yeah, that's that's a dad movie. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Quint getting his at the end of Jaws is rough. Um, it's it's ten seconds of hell. It uh, is. It is. It's not like ten seconds doesn't sound like much, but when it's your favorite character in the movie, uh, with fucking 25 foot shark snapping at his heels oh by the way he just told us like a, a 10 minute like monologue story about him contending with sharks in the past and oh by the way this is why i hate sharks i never want to get attacked by a shark and this is his personal hell staring him straight in the face uh, and it's it's only like 10 seconds long but just like watching him kicking pounding hollering screaming <laughs> It's like you just you just want him to make it. You're just like, oh my god, oh my god, quit, quit fucking goddamn it. <laughs> it's an interesting contrast too, like when you brought up Billy from Predator earlier, where I feel like that's what they were trying to kind of go for with that sequence of seeing a really hard guy being reduced to like frantically crying for his life. Yeah. Cause that's what you get with Quint. It's this this is like the hardest, most grizzled man who ever lived, basically. I do like it when and, that happens. And he's it, you're seeing him in, you know, full-on panic mode. And I think that's what they tried to do with Billy, but it just comes across like, <laughs> suck. <laughs> like, well, I think maybe uh, Sonny Landon was, like, boozing it hard or something that day, and it's like, I don't think we can film Billy's death. <laughs> it's like, I don't think it would be a good idea for Sonny to be on the set today. <laughs> it's like, maybe we can just do it off screen. Well, that brings up a Coen Brothers movie, Death, that's kind of, um, along these lines, it's kind of a, it's a darker death, but um, where it's almost like masculinity has no strength uh, against death, because if you think about the characters in No Country for Old Men, you've got him going after Josh Brolin, Yes, the right role. Josh <laughs> the, the right role. The original Amityville Horror it was in conversation earlier, so I'm like, which Brolin James is James or Josh? James or Josh. <laughs> um, but the moment, like, Woody Harrelson kind of comes onto the screen as like the, oh, I'm going to take care of this. He's kind of like quick-witted. And uh, when he actually sits down, like, he, he gets the drop on him, and he's just sitting there. And he just, know, he just feels it the whole time. He's like, I'm fucked. I'm going to die. It's just like a hopeless death. I love that, that that sequence between the two of them. I was going to say, too, the Brolin one, I'm glad you mentioned, because he was another one of the off-screen death mm-hmm. that actually a number of people in that movie came out like really hated that movie because of that. Because it was to them, they felt like they were robbed of the final confrontation, but it actually is perfect. Like, mm-hmm. It's like, you know, everything that goes into it, it's like, no, sometimes it's just like that. And the like, Coen brothers are good at those yeah, kinds well, of deaths. Like, no, it doesn't matter, dude. Yeah. yeah. But, uh... No, for a heavy fuck one, I have... Um, the shoe and the <laughs> Roger Rabbit. All right, we already covered that, but this one's up there, actually. You almost borderline is traumatic. Like, the one that actually I'm shocked that nobody's mentioned is the most infamous, arguably, is, is Bambi's mom. Oh, wow. yeah, I had it on my So you have Bambi's mom, which all the parents, everyone was like, oh my God, that's so bad, or whatever. 
Then you had Don Bluth basically be like, hold my beer. <laughs> Littlefoot's mom in the land before time. I have not seen any of those movies. Uh, it's. Oh, I do know that scene. Sarah's the Triceratops, it's, is she not? It's. There's Sarah the Triceratops, is there's Littlefoot's the Brontosaurus. So the Brontosaurus is mom. So it, it I kicks off this. with, what is it? Sharp, sharp tooth. tooth. Yeah, Sharp Tooth the T-Rex trying to eat all the kids. By the way, the kids woke him up. Yeah. I do, and then he killed their mom. I do know this, I do know <laughs> this sequence. fucked up. My next yeah. door neighbors love these You killed movies. your mom, Littlefoot. You did it. Damn. Yeah, so not only is, but it's that com- on top of, not only is it she has to fight with the T-Rex to save the kids, but then Pangea starts breaking apart, <laughs> and it's this literally, like, extinction-level event starts occurring, and entire families of dinosaurs being washed out to sea or engulfed by mountains appearing out of nowhere. Yeah, it's pretty rough, and then the, the, the conversation... And yeah, yeah, and then it comes about where the, the kid literally like nudging the mom and trying to get her up and she knows she's dying, but she, she won't tries, say as much. Yeah. So she's just kind of like, you got to go on, you got to leave. And the kid's like, no, we're going to be friends forever. And it's, it's bad. It's, like it's I, I would put it higher than Mufasa, actually. It, it's way worse than Mufasa. Because Mufasa, he's down and out. That was a pretty heavy death. That, like, no, dad, it, it's, dad, it's dad, like dad, the like modern she, yeah. like mainstream one would be Mufasa, but no, this is, like, way more, like, It's in the first paragraph of my list, folks. We're, you know... I remember... (laughs) I feel like All Dogs Go to Heaven was kind of heavy as well. Yeah, that... Just that whole concept was fucked. The concept of that one's really rough. I mean, Don Bluth makes some scary shit. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Don Don Bluth's got... Secret Secret of Nim is very intense, but it also happens to be one of my favorite animated movies, um... Very fucking scary though. The great owl. <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> Holy shit! Who did the Iron Giant? Was that? Uh... That was. Uh, that, that wasn't Lassiter. That was. Uh, fuck. He directed a Mission Impossible movie. He has. He has a catchy name. Can't remember it. Nah. That's... Anyway. Um. Speaking of dinosaurs, though, uh, before we get too far away, we're going back to Spielbergville. Right. Um, the Lost World. Eddie. Yeah. Ca- Eddie Carr. Do we all just have a, a Jurassic Park death? I feel like oh, we all yeah. do. I mean, you could. Uh, we, we were talking about this before we started recording. We could just do a Spielberg list yeah. of deaths. Oh, yeah. he, he handles death, uh, quote-unquote, well. <laughs> yeah. Um, but The Lost World, this death always stuck out to me um, in, a, in a weird, visceral way because it, it's one of those situations where it's like, oh, man, <laughs> fucking really? Because... The, the trailer sequence. Not not the trailer as in like the, the preview, but <laughs> the, the trailer where the trailer's hanging over the side of a cliff and there's a pair of T-Rexes that, that want, they want Ian Malcolm dead. Mm-hmm. They don't like him right now because uh, they, they want their baby back. They get their baby back and stuff, but it's the greatest stunt sequence in the movie. It's one of the most memorable parts in the whole thing, in the whole franchise maybe. It, it's fucking It's intense. really good, yeah. It's really good and uh Julianne Moore's scene on the glass. That's, yeah, that's Ooh, a really good In the scene. theater as a little kid, I was like, fuck! <laughs> <laughs> but meanwhile, how are we, like, so this is a very large trailer. It has, like, an accordion center to it. It's like, how is this trailer not going off the cliff? Well, we got our buddy Eddie, and he's hooked a winch. He's hooked a winch to his Mercedes-Benz. <laughs> his Mercedes-Benz SUV. <laughs> and he's using his Mercedes-Benz SUV <laughs> Uh, to haul this trailer back up off the cliff. And the winch comes off this tree like two or three times. 
And Eddie is not built to move. Like no. Eddie's got a monkey butt haircut. He's built low to the ground, but he's not like power lifter big. He's just like Costanza light. And he's like poor poor physique. Yeah, he's just yeah, not, he's, yeah. he's not he's not built to move, especially nah. in the rain and in the mud. And he keeps running over this winch and like doing it around his back and he keeps hooking it back up and get back in the car and then he has to run back out to the winch and it's like 10 minutes of this poor fucking guy slogging it through the mud and the rain and everybody's like Eddie help us come on Eddie and he's like fuck you guys this is hard and then he's like he's got the trailer halfway up and then you hear and then both the T-Rexes come out and John Williams' music is just like at its ominous menacing best and the crazy fucking part is both of these T-Rexes flank him on both sides of the vehicle and he keeps his foot on the accelerator. Mm-hmm. He doesn't get out. He doesn't try to leave. He's because Eddie's a stand-up fucking guy. Yeah. He's the, he's in it for his buddies who don't even treat him well. Ian Malcolm's a fucking asshole to him from beginning of the movie to the end. He's opposite <laughs> Wapum from Saving Private Red. He's the exact opposite. So these T-Rexes, they lay into the Mercedes-Benz SUV and they're tearing chunks Pop. off of it. He's... He's screaming, he's pounding, hollering, screaming, <laughs> and he has a tranquilizer rifle with him. And he's like ducked down into the seat of the car, and he's barely he's barely escaping their jaws. And he has this tranquilizer rifle, and he's trying to aim it upward at them, but it gets caught in a net. He is a great goddamn it. I, 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 I got it. <laughs> he does not. He does not enunciate. The, the, yeah, the, the, well, he has rain pouring into yeah. his mouth. <laughs> The barrel of the rifle gets cut in the netting. <laughs> it's the, it's just insult to injury, and you can tell Spielberg's just like, huh. <laughs> got him. <laughs> and yeah, he gets he gets bit by the T Rex, and then and then to add even more insult to injury, it flips him into the air, <laughs> and the other T Rex bites the other end of him. They give him a good twist and yank him in half. That's actually a perfect segue. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fucked up. Because the crunch, because you hear the joints just crunk, like yeah. pop. Ugh. One swallow, just like no bites, just Yeah. The, uh, I was talking about death noises, like, like, like when the, when the noise of somebody dying is like, oh, that's pretty good. Uh, Gary Oldman's neck snap in Air Force One, uh, you, you had to say, oh, yeah. Gary, Get off my plane. He pulls the parachute and just crunches his neck like oh that was pretty good it's a loud crunch but that that made me think of that Matt do you have a sound effects death I'm gonna think of one but real quick honorable mention um the Jurassic uh, World was it with the oh. assistant oh uh, yeah you would have to explain the sequence cause I barely remember I just it to me it really came across like this actress must have reminded the director of an ex-girlfriend uh, because it was I think she was supposed to embody millennials just in general I, I, I could see that because it was really excessive. Not, not taking responsibility. Really... She's on her phone the whole time. Like she's she hot. So she's, just she's just in the background. Yeah. Like she's an afterthought. Like maybe maybe she had additional scenes on the cutting room floor. She's kind of fine. It's, she's fine. She's no, very she's British tight. too. Um, but yeah, she's just like the like like the escort for the kids. Like she's just like a chaperone basically. Yeah. And she's in only a couple of scenes, but. Yeah, uh, her death is exceedingly cruel and long and brutal. I, 
it's during the scene when all the pterosaurs and shit are coming out of the yeah. aviary mm-hmm. and they're attacking everybody and for some reason like you said this director had it out for this lady <laughs> or something yeah <laughs> and yeah she gets like scooped up by one of these like pterodactyls or pterosaurs i don't remember which dinosaur exactly but yeah. it hauls her up into the air and we get this sequence where it's like locked onto her like a tracking cam and it's dipping and diving into the water with her so she gets like a multiple dunk situation which is awful that's yeah. that's how you torture people that's waterboarding yeah that's <laughs> waterboarding via dinosaur and this goes on and on and on for like 20 30 seconds at least and she's screaming she's in the air and i think she gets passed between multiple dinosaurs and then at the end of it though the pterosaur is like trying to go up from the water and the fucking mosasaur comes out of the water <laughs> and it claps both of them in its jaws both the pterodactyl and her and drags <laughs> and just swallows them both whole but the, the length of the sequence i think is what makes it like feel cruel in some way because there's no other death in maybe the entire franchise that feels like that <laughs> yeah where it's like it's direct, it's directed. Like no, this is this is personal. Yeah, it's it's choreographed. Yeah. Like, and it's you know usually when a dinosaur grabs hold of anyone in those movies, it's over. Like that's it. Yeah, yeah. Unless you're like Julianne Moore wearing a shitty backpack, and you know you get a raptor on your back, and it's like I'm gonna fixate on the inanimate backpack. <laughs> the, Lost World Jura- the Lost World Jurassic Park is not under fire right now, but yes, that. That's, hey, I'm that's a fan. I, I have very good memories of that movie. Some people shit on it. I I defend it. I defend it still. I don't know why, but I still do. Let's say Jurassic Park deaths, though. Uh, I think, uh, kind of like, it's it's a good Spielberg death for one because it's limiting. Is the Muldoon death because you don't ever actually see him. Like you see just like kind of the silhouette, yeah. but it's the screaming that does it. Well, walk us through it because the setup I think is what makes it. So there, ha- there's nice like symmetry in in like. In relation to the script, too. Yeah, uh, Muldoon is a, a Kenyan hunter, and he, great white hunter. He's a great white hunter. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he, no expense. Yeah, he's he's thinks he well he thinks he's uh, hunting uh, a raptor. And he's got one in his sights, and he's he's super quiet. He's super sweaty. Uh, I always remember him being like crazy sweaty in this sequence. And all, I love all the gun noises. By I love the, the way, eye twitch. <laughs> the, just the, the clicking why did and everything. he have to do that by the way he didn't he, uh, he unfolds the stock didn't need to uh he could have done it he could have done it at the hip he would have been fine he's he's a professional um <laughs> but yeah uh he didn't hear alan grant's uh exposition in the beginning of the of the film explaining what happens when raptors hunt but uh one from the side just comes up out of fucking nowhere and actually if you go back and watch it you can kind of see it back there it just kind of comes in and he gets a nice little clever girl, and then just fucking screaming, and it looks like it's eating his face. Uh, yeah, it looks like it's scraping his scalp off with its teeth. It's like, pretty, it's pretty awful, it's and it's obscured pretty, by foliage. Yeah, PG thirteen. PG thirteen. We want some young people to see this movie. But that's just a death on like I can imagine what's happening, and I can hear the terror, like the the agony that he's going through. Oh yeah, it's it's brutal. Like his screaming in particular is really bone chilling, but. I got one more, uh, but then I want to pass it to Matt. But this is from a movie I don't know if either of you have seen. Maybe you. <laughs> uh, Rampage, starring Dwayne the Rock Johnson. If, uh, if you're ever on the <laughs> say, if you're ever on the fence with me, like you probably haven't seen it, 
99% of the time, yeah, you're right. Yeah, uh, I watch a lot of crap. Uh, it helps if there's a giant Samoan man in the lead. That does help, Usually yeah. that, that, that'll get me interested. <laughs> and also, it's a video game movie. And actually, I would argue oh. one of the kind of better video game movies, to be honest. Because hmm. it gives you everything that the games gave you. Big fucking animal things punching holes in buildings. <laughs> and uh, Joey Abs, uh, Joey Manginello, uh, getting attacked by a mutant wolf thing. Joey Abs. Joey Abs. Joey Mang- Manginello? Manginello? Oh! Got, got, got my you, my you, name got, got for him you. is Joey Abs. Because <laughs> so, that, that name is hard. Sophia Vergara's husband. There you go. There, there we go. You. Uh, but yeah, uh, Rampage um, has one of the most awful deaths I've seen in recent memory. Really? It, especially in a mainstream movie. Like, you kind of ha- you kind of have to, like, think about it a little bit. And as... As you could probably tell from the way I was talking about the blob, I kind of have a habit of doing that sometimes, making it worse by thinking about it. Uh, so, one of the one of the central characters of the movie is George. He's an albino gorilla, and he's The Rock's best buddy. And George gets this like virus or something or other that makes him grow massive. Uh, and also, there's some sort of problem that's causing him to go nuts and the rock spends the entire movie trying to track him down to calm him down and stop him from rampaging uh so they find a cure for it and we have like a vial of some sort of substance that we need to inject him with or get him to ingest and the question at this point is how do we do that well fortunately bryce dallas howard is an awful person she's a horrible bitch in this movie she's done um, that a few times yeah she's very good at that she's good at uh, that. was it the help or whatever i think i'm thinking 50 50 oh yeah she's not a good person <laughs> she's very good at being not a good person uh so what happens is we get a situation where we're on the roof of a skyscraper and one of our heroes like slips the vial into like bryce dallas howard's like coat pocket or something and then kicks her towards george george grabs her Picks her up and swallows her. Swallows a human being. A gorilla. A giant oh. gorilla swallows her. Now think about what the fuck happens when you when when you swallow something. You're breaking you you get deep rising, basically. You they drink you. Yeah. They drink you. <laughs> they drink you. So just imagine the the, the terror, the horror that would come from that. This is where I'd want my Tom Cruise and Collateral to come in. Like, as soon as the monkey hold, grabs a hold of me, pop, pop, pop. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, fuck, yeah. fuck that. Yeah. Fuck, I, I don't think gorillas have the fastest digestion. Like, I don't imagine their metabolism. They eat fucking grass. Yeah. They eat grass. <laughs> like, they can't have the fastest metabolism. Not, do you're... they do that shit in Attack on Titan? Do they get into that shit? Yeah. That shit's awful. I hate that. That's why I can't yeah. rewatch those live they're action children. movies. Yeah, they're like, fuck, dude. Digestive juices. Eesh. Fuck. <laughs> Little children looking for their parents as they dissolve <clears throat> slowly. <clears throat> That's rough. Yeah. That's rough. It's a fucked up show. Still want to see it though. <laughs> so Matt, do you got any? You got any? Uh... Anything Actually, you, you, brought up, you brought up anime, and uh, there is one character. It's a nothing character from a, a very famous movie, um, Kaori from Akira. Um, oh. I don't know if you've ever seen that one. Kyle. I have, actually. Oh, do you remember her, Kyle? Do you remember her? <sighs> Tetsuo's she's girlfriend. She's very, very... She's in it for maybe a minute total. No. Literally, her. it's a depressing thing, and I feel like it's common in Japanese cinema in particular, where there are certain characters that are just supposed to embody suffering. And literally, like I said, she's on screen for maybe a minute total. And literally, like, 
all you experience her, like the only thing you witness her experiencing is getting yelled at by her boyfriend, being abducted by a rival gang and being beaten by them and nearly assaulted, and then being digested by her boyfriend when he turns into the giant fetus creature at the end of the movie. I can't finish that movie. Like, yeah. I love that movie so much, but I always turn it off when that starts happening, because the visuals there are just so rough. Yeah, I mean, it's already a grotesque sequence, but this poor character in particular, it's just... And it's a movie with an immense amount of suffering. <laughs> but this particular character just is so, like, timid, so nothing, and just always gets the worst of it. Yeah. Oh, and I that mean... <laughs> part always just rubs me the worst way, just because it really is, like, you... It's a sequence in, if it were a Western movie, you feel like somehow she would be, at the very least, morally, like, help him not not completely be engulfed or, you know, somehow contribute to his downfall. But no, in this, she's just popped like a grape. Oh, and it's it's, it's rough. really rough. It's rough. And it doesn't help, too, that, like, Tetsuo's, like, kind of cognizant of it. Like, he's aware of it, too. And like, not in control at that yeah, point. Yeah, he's not in control, and I think he's, like like looking for her kind of like he's calling out to her but he's yeah he has no idea what his body's doing right it's it's that was really traumatic for me yeah um, that like, one because i saw that one way too young um, yeah I think, I think our cousin rented it just they're like eh, whatever. <laughs> um on the subject of anime though uh i think the character's name is uh, genma or genma uh from ninja scroll another one that you've seen kyle i have uh he's the big bad uh do you remember the finale? The one they're okay. kind they're kind of all blending together at this point because <laughs> it's been so long. Because I've seen them so infrequently, I'm like I can't think of. Okay, so the the finale of Ninja Scroll takes place on a ship hauling gold. I do remember that, which gets set on fire mm-hmm. and the gold starts melting. Uh, the villain of the movie has he's like he has black magic that gives him immortality. Uh, we're we're told it, we're it's imparted to us via flashbacks that his head was severed by the hero Jubei, and he just put it back on, <laughs> and he gets his arm cut off at one point in the movie. He puts it back on. How do we kill this guy? In fact, there's an awesome sequence where Jubei like headbutts his face into mush, and it just kind of reforms. So at this point, it's like, how do we get rid of this guy? <laughs> like he is immortal, and we get this awesome, very creative death where. Uh, Jubei just escapes from the ship, like he incapacitates Gemma just long enough, and then the melted gold washes over him, and then he falls into the water, because they're at sea. Mm-hmm. So now he's encased in gold, so he's immobile, but he's also immortal. So he can't die, but he's stuck at the bottom of the ocean, just... Indefinitely. In, in, yeah, that's perfect. That's actually pretty good. That's awesome, that's especially since the character had major beef with him at that point. So you, you're like, yeah, he got his. He's going to be <laughs> so mad when he gets out. Yeah, I have one more anime, but Kyle, you got anything in the holster? Um, I do have a couple in the holster here. Um, one you might not have seen, but it's a very... I have pretty much at the back end, I've got satisfying movie deaths. Where I'm like, okay, that's a good one. That's a good feeling. Um, Bruce Dern in The Hateful Eight. I don't know if you recall. Uh, I don't. Oh, have you seen The Hateful Eight? That's the only one I have at this point. Really. So. Well, he now he knows he dies, so you may as well yeah. tell him. Yeah, that. <laughs> but it's how he dies. Well, there's some racial tension in this. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson is there, and uh, Bruce Dern is playing an ex-Confederate uh, general. Walton Goggins is here, and he's he knows who he is. He's just like he's oh my gosh, it's you! I'm so excited! I served under you, and 
they're taking some they're taking some jabs at Samuel L. Jackson. If there's anybody who could take it, it's him. Uh, so he's kind of had it at this point, and he knows that Bruce Dern's son is dead. So what he does is he it's like you know what's your boy's name again? He's like, oh, I think I remember him. Yeah, and he like tells him how he dies. He's like, yeah, how'd you know that? He's like, well. I'm the one that caught him. And he's like, and uh, I made him suck my big fucking dick. And Bruce, he basically set the gun next to Bruce Dern so he would try to take a shot at him. He's getting a rise out of him. And he fucking blows him away. And you're like, mmm. It's squib-tastic. Ooh, it's good. <laughs> it's a good squib. It's good because at this point you're like, I'm tired of Sam Jackson taking all this. This is not good. It, it, it's very, it, have you seen a Tarantino movie? Yeah. It comes up. Yeah, I was gonna say like I actually know people who didn't watch the movie because the, it just was too much. It's the <laughs> one time where it's like this is relevant. Like this is when this word was relevant. I wonder if that's the reason why he did the movie, so he could just yeah. I, I have you got theories. I have theories on why he <laughs> loves throwing that word in there, but yeah, but it it works well in that one. Okay. Yeah, that's a that's a satisfying. If nobody else is going to step up, uh, the last anime I want to have actually is a live action adaptation, one that I've, I've told you about repeatedly. I, for a good stretch of time, I would not shut the fuck up about these movies. Uh, the Rurouni Kenshin trilogy. Oh, okay. Which I'm super fucking hyped because it's... they just announced that you're going to make two more. Is that the dude with the mummy rap? Yeah. Okay. That would be him. Shishio Makoto or Makoto Shishio, whichever way you want to say it. Doesn't matter. Right yeah, Mummy Man. Yeah. Uh, so. At the end of the trilogy, uh, two and three uh, are like like a Lord of the Rings type situation or a Superman one and two filmed concurrently, um, and they, they're stitched together at the hip. So you, if you watch two, you better fucking watch three. Mm-hmm. Um, shame on you if, you if you watch two and then leave it, because fuck, three is awesome. <laughs> anyway, the final climactic battle of, of the third film is just the fucking stuff of legends. It's, it's amazing. Uh, they they do the the manga and the anime justice like all the major beats in the fight, in a fucking like weekly comic book that stretched out over like twenty chapters or whatever. They do it all in a live action movie, and it's like fuck, <laughs> like we went all out. Anyway, Shishio is just this awesome villain character where he looks like burnt crap because he is burnt crap. Yeah, he is a mummy man who was set on fire at one point and lived through it. Um, but he's super fucking arrogant, and he backs it up. So he fights all the major hero characters, like, I think it's like four on one at one point. And he beats the fuck out of them. <laughs> and he's like having a good time the whole time. But he has this situation where because he was set on fire, he has no pores. So he doesn't sweat. So he can overheat. Oh. So it becomes a endurance battle where it's like the longer he's in combat, the hotter he gets. And eventually he'll spontaneously combust. Um, and we're aware of this. But... It's very theatrical. It's like this wouldn't actually happen, but it's a situation where you have these overwhelming odds. He's fighting four guys at a time, and that turns into a one-on-one fight between him and the hero, which, by the way, the major character point about Kenshin, the title character, is that he doesn't kill. So a good writing workaround to have him defeat and kill the villain is, like Batman, I, I'm not going to kill him, but he is going to die. He is going to go to Arkham, yeah. <laughs> Um, so anyway, uh, the conclusion of the battle is Kenshin defeats him, doesn't kill him, and then, like, after taking this fucking badass uppercut sword stroke and, like, knocks him across the room, he gets up and he's laughing. He's just like, ah! <laughs> and he still has his fucking swagger intact, and at this point he's steaming, 
And at some point, he literally catches fire. And he his last words are basically like, well, I'm about to die now, but I'm going to go conquer hell, so fuck you. <laughs> and That's he, a pretty good way to and go. And he dies, like, like, laying back, like, looking like a boss, like he's on a throne, on a staircase, on fire, laughing. And he doesn't even, I think he's still laughing when we cut away from it. So it's like, it's really, it's really horrific and fucked up, but such a cool end to such a cool character. I'm thinking of Jack Nicholson's Joker now because I just rewatched Batman '89. He had to have turned that recorder on midway through, so he he went he went down like laughing like this is gonna be fucking funny <laughs> down there. That I didn't realize it until I watched it this last time. Like that's kind of along the lines where it's like yep, going out with a, going out with a laugh. I mean, I, I think it's a fitting end for either character. Like, Shishio, though, like, that blew me away. It's like, he's still, still fucking cackling like a demon even when he's dying. And, like, he did get beat in, in combat, but in his eyes, he's like, you didn't kill me. You didn't actually beat me. You never knocked me down. <laughs> it's like, I never went down, Ray. Do you have... Do you Go have, right ahead. I, I said a lot. <laughs> I was say, um... I was going to say, um, this is almost like a, 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 a dual one because of it's Joe Pesci, um, but it's a satisfying death. Uh, in Casino, where he and his brother get beaten to death with bats. Uh, but I still like, I feel like it was really good because you fucking hate him at the end of that, but you also still hated him from Goodfellas. So if you if you saw Goodfellas first, oh, you're like, no! you got, it's, it's like he's kind of beating Nicky, but you're also beating, uh, I can't remember if it was Tommy or whatever from, yeah. it doesn't matter. But yeah, that one's really good. And then, of course, Sleepers. Uh, that's one, I don't know if, that's that's an obscure one. Uh, I remember seeing the first half of that movie long before I finished the movie. Mm-hmm. And then when I finished it, I felt like Matt, where I was like, uh, It does not end. The, I, yeah, the first half, I was like, yeah, this is interesting. I like this. And then I finished it, I was like, oh, that didn't exactly come together it slumps it is funny uh the one guy explains to robert de niro later in life he's like this is all the stuff that happens he's like so i sat there and told father tommy and father bob (laughs) father bob and de niro doesn't move (laughs) he just sits there with his arms crossed and he has that i'm taking all this in doesn't even move Uh, it's pretty funny but kevin bacon that's probably the one of the most satisfying like <clears throat> that Les Grossman like, hit him in the face really, <clears throat> really fucking hard because they shoot the fuck out of him and he's he's still a fucking dick on the way down too. He's, he's well, like, I mean, did you see what he was eating? He, he was having a Budweiser, which I mean, nothing against Budweiser, but if you drink it, you're a piece of shit. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, he's having like a, he's he's got the steak and he's like dipping the steak in the mashed potatoes with the Budweiser. I'm like, ugh, you're a piece of shit, aren't you? Oh, you have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> you really have no idea. Um, but yeah, that probably one of the most satisfying movie deaths is that one is Kevin Bacon getting shot in the head and the balls. Um, and then in badass one, uh, Fassbender and Inglorious Bastards, when they have the the scene with the Nazi down in the like, yeah the but the, he the movie has three scenes and I remember exactly one of them, maybe one and a half. Uh, I'm not gonna say anything. Go back and rewatch it. I <laughs> know <laughs> uh, he gets uh, where Stieglitz says say I'll Vita saying to your nuts, but he's like if you don't mind if I speak the Kings on the way out, like you're gonna speak British. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was a nice little. 
I'm going out, so I'm going to slam this scotch real quick, and eh, fuck it. I don't have any more uh, as far as uh, badassness goes. Uh, I, I definitely have, don't have any more uh, badass one. The only one I can actually think of um, is a tone changer one. Ooh. Which, there's actually a number of those now that I think of it, but the one in particular stands out to me is in uh, Jackie Chan's Rumble in the Bronx. Oh. I have seen that. It's been a while. It, I barely remember the movie. It's been so long. But there's just one sequence where it's kind of a, it's a classic Jackie Chan movie. It's a happy-go-lucky, you know. It's like there's stunts. There's like some nemesis. They're like borderline cartoon characters. A lot of white guys get punched. What vague <laughs> relative does he have in that Uncle. One? Is it uncle? Uncle. Okay. Yeah. It's an uncle. But then... He doesn't want any trouble. He doesn't want any trouble. There's a sequence where the big bads show up who are like mafia guys or some sort of whatever, like people in suits as opposed to the like gangsters he's been fighting the whole time. Asian dudes with neck tattoos, sunglasses, and cigarettes? Or yeah, white, white guys. guys. Okay. White guys. Yeah. Like, there's a difference. Literally just big white guys. Yeah, okay. just big white guys in suits. But gotcha. anyway, they abduct two of the... Uh, the gang members who just look like rejects from Mad Max, you know, which is supposed to be the Bronx, but it's Canada. <laughs> they, they take Kong. two of them because they're mad because apparently they were supposed to be accomplishing something for them. I think it was t- closing Jackie's store, you know, his, his family grocery store down for to extort something. It's like a diamond heist. Yeah. yeah, it's a diamond heist. It doesn't matter. Yeah, what doesn't what matters matter. is they take two of them, beat them up, and then they put one of them through a wood chipper. Oh, oh, I remember that. And then they put, I remember give, that. put them in two garbage bags and I make fu- the other one take it back My to... My goodness. This is the same movie that 15 minutes earlier, Jackie Chan's whipping a guy with a freaking car antenna on the bare butt. Like... <laughs> I mean, you're laughing like up until that, and then it's like, oh my god! We're watching a Jackie Chan movie. Nobody's here for a plot. We're we just want to see how he's gonna punch people and how like how stylistically he's gonna punch people. That's all we care about. Yeah, but no, I forgot about the wood chipper. They put the 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 remains in garbage bags, and there's the scene where the guy shows up dragging said bag, saying, "Lance, (laughs) they got Lance." Man, I might have to dust that one off. I remember watching that for the first time when I was a kid, and I was like, "What the fuck is with their mouths? It's not, <laughs> it's moving, but she's not saying like she said it's not matching up." I'm like, I don't understand what's happening because I didn't it's understand. It's especially what... jarring because like the people who are clearly speaking English are dubbed also. Yeah, <laughs> so like everybody's dubbed. Everybody's yeah. dubbed. <laughs> oh, Keong. Yeah, yeah, but every now and then a movie will just have one of those moments where it's like, "What the fuck?" Like. <laughs> That's the that's the that's how I felt with the the Punisher Warzone deaths. Like even for that movie, you're like huh, uh, an RPG, okay? Because well, right. that movie's in that realm of movies that seem like they were made by a twelve year old. It's kind of like <laughs> Crank, like it was another oh, one fuck. where it was like that's a weird that's a that's a horrible movie when you actually think about it. It's and pretty the fact dumb. that he lives at the end. <laughs> <laughs> nope, no, he doesn't live. No. He has to die. He does. He really does because he's a horrible human being. <laughs> Okay, well, I got maybe two or three left in me. Probably. Um, there's one that it's not very, I don't know, there's not a lot to it, so I think I'll skip it, maybe see if somebody else jumps on it. But one that I wanted to bring up is something that we all appreciate on some level. Steven Seagal. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Steven Seagal in Marked for Death. You know this one. You, I do. You had the VHS of this as a child, didn't we you? We did. Of all the Steven Seagal films, we yeah, had this so, one. 
Uh, just so we're all clear, Marked for Death is the one with the Jamaican. I thought you were going to give a disclaimer about Steven Seagal. <laughs> Steven Seagal is not st- a good person. <laughs> he's an enemy of the state. Yeah, Steven Seagal is an enemy of the state. He's not welcome across our borders nope. anymore. Nope. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> so Marked for Death, uh, a.k.a. the one where he fights Jamaicans, because that's usually the way people remember it. He ran out of Russians, yeah. Yeah, he doesn't do that in many of his movies. <laughs> um, anyway, there's a character that's the villain named Screwface. Oh my it's god. It's got voodoo fucking magic, voodoo man. Magic. <laughs> uh, and there's a revelation about two thirds of the way through this movie that Screwface was a twin? So Steven Seagal kills Screwface about two thirds of the way in the movie. But then he has to kill another Screwface. So he effectively kills the same guy twice, except he doesn't because he kills Skill. He kills Screwface too about three times, as far as if you're counting. So they have a little melee. They have a sword fight, actually, in a fucking nightclub. I don't know why Screwface has a fucking sword. Two of them. <laughs> they have a sword fight. Steven Seagal's stunt double gets roughed up a little bit because Steven Seagal doesn't take bumps for nobody. Um, and at some point, he puts both of his thumbs into Screwface's eyes. That's kill number one. Or two, if you're counting Screwface one. And then he banes him over his knee. That's pretty bad. So he breaks his spine over his knee. And then there's an open elevator shaft, and he just decides, well... I should probably just, you know, throw him in there. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> yeah he, throws, he throws a dummy down an elevator shaft onto a spike at the bottom of the elevator shaft. So, so he gets impaled after his eyes got gouged out and his spine was broken in half. It's like a fucking MacGruber death. That's how Val Kilmer gets it at the end I mean, of MacGruber. The, the, the quote that Did comes to mind... Too? No, the, the quote that comes to mind is from The Simpsons when Homer is beating up the little Hamburglar guy. The, Stop! Stop! He's already He's dead! Already dead. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, I, I don't know if the... A wacky, a whack, a MacGruber, uh, Val Kilmer getting thrown off a cliff and getting shot at and then pissed on. <laughs> I mean, it was pretty good. And he got his throat rip in there. Oh, he did get his throat rip. He was going for a turkey. I forgot. <laughs> I like I'm going for a turkey. Have you seen MacGruber? No. Oh, my goodness. It's actually pretty, it's very, it's pretty fun. If, even if you're not a comedy fan, I highly recommend I that. I saw it with a gentleman who was, I think... Your age, or maybe you're older. So he he was raised on the MacGyver. So he was like, "We're seeing this in the theater, Trevor." I was oh like, God. "I was like, okay, roommate, let's go see MacGruber." I mean, aside from Wayne's World, it might be the it's the second best SNL sketch turned movie. I would say. I mean. I, there's it goes Wayne's World and then just a straight Shoo! fucking plunge yeah. into it's the it, abyss. Yeah. <laughs> it's Pat, the ladies' man. The ladies' man was fine but MacGruber was fun good, I enjoyed good that. fat Velcomer good fat Velcomer <laughs> good fat Velcomer uh, I don't even know if I have that many deaths left so I got two solid ones Matt how are you doing on am- I do ammunition have, I do have one more uh, I'm running low are we about to stick a I knife have... through this this, <laughs> this okay. thing well, pretty soon it well, actually sets it up really well right that's why I said it <laughs> okay well before we before we segue <clears throat> to the epic knifing, yeah, um, Robocop. Re- I was surprised it took you this long to bring I up was, Robocop. I was trying to be courteous. <laughs> Robocop, Alex Murphy, uh, Peter Weller, uh, who I actually put on the list. I, I think it would be fun to do an entire month of Peter Weller episodes. I think it might be next month. Yeah, it, it's something that's been on my mind because I do like Peter Weller. Mm-hmm. Uh, underappreciated, but um, yeah, Robocop. Uh, when Alex Murphy before the Robocop mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. 
when he gets shot up by the villains uh red red foreman yeah yeah red foreman <laughs> kurtwood smith um Dumbass. that is that is one of the more more just mean scenes in movie history it's just straight criterion up. edition <laughs> well, that's what's really funny that's Ro- what's really fucking Ro- funny. Robocop getting a criterion? It got, oh, it got oh, one. Oh, no kidding. Ages ago. Yeah, wow. it was one of the like, real like, original ones. Deservedly so. That's it's a great to, fucking movie. That's something to be proud of. If you are in any way a part of a criterion release, that's pretty badass. No, when I was, what, 14, 15, Ro- Rocky IV, and Robocop. That's all I needed. Rocky, <laughs> I thought you were going to say Rocky IV got a criteria. No, 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 no. No, no the, the, Screw the first ooh. one. No, the, the funny part about Robocop on Criterion is that uh, the se- the big selling point for the DVD in the Criterion collection was that it included the uncut version of the movie, which was rare. Um, what the uncut version includes is when Ed 209 shooting up that guy. I thought that's what you were going to, I thought um, you were going to go with it. There's a few extra angles. There's extra footage. There's a few extra seconds of him. Like when the guy collapses on the model, it keeps going. Yeah. <laughs> and he's squibbed up and he's spasming and shit. It, yeah. It's like, let's yeah. keep this bitch rolling. Keep it going. Uh, and then in addition to that, um, when they're killing Alex Murphy, uh, in the theatrical version, he just gets shot in the head at the end of it mm-hmm. and he just flops over in the uncut version, they built a animatronic head, like a puppet that like rears up into the camera. We do a three sixty shot, and then the head explodes. Oh no, kidding! And the puppet's pretty good, so it's meant to sell you on the fact that oh, he just got shot in the head. So it's a good effect that got cut from the movie. It does a three sixty. Yeah, it goes front and then back, and then but the back explodes. Uh, Rob Bottin, the same guy who did the special effects for the thing. Mm. worked on robocop he built the robocop suit nice um and then in addition to that kurtwood smith when he gets gouged in the throat Mm. there's another there's more angles of that spurting (laughs) (laughs) but the funny part and i'm sorry i took this long to say this um is that i hunted high and low to get that version of the movie on dvd i still have it on my shelf nowadays that's fucking standard yeah because the kids are spoiled Fuck y'all. I had, I had to go to like a fucking silver platters up north to get this shit. <laughs> just, just to find to, it. Just to get this particular box set of the Robocop DVDs that unfolds into a Robocop shape, by the way. <laughs> because I, I confirmed it online. This is the uncut version of Robocop that's very hard to find. And now you can find it everywhere <laughs> god damn it people, certain people have jobs where in the middle of the day they're asked to do a task or they're just they're working on a project where they're like god who the fuck even needs this there was somebody working on that box set that was like who the fuck wants a robocop box that's gonna fold out into a robocop, into a RoboCop. <laughs> little did they know that in the studio apartment in the greater seattle area there was a guy <laughs> who was made just for yeah. Uh, to quote Sean Penn, right here, dude. Right here. Seabass <laughs> said that. Yeah, that guy over there, Seabass. Um, I have one more, and I'm almost positive neither one of you have seen the movie because uh, it's a musical. Uh, Sweeney Todd, uh, the Johnny Depp. Uh, I think it's Tim Burton. Also. It is, but, yeah. and I've been meaning to see it actually. Cause... Oh, never mind. We'll we'll put Aww. a pin in that. Yeah. No, no, no. Please go for it. Come on. You, you always, you've introduced the fact that you're cultured to your audience. You may oh, that's not cul- that's not cultured. That's not why I'm cultured. Uh, make, make, make well, the... it's better than Transformers, the fucking movie. <laughs> and what else do we have here? Like, 
I've, double team. <laughs> I've seen garbage. Don't get me wrong. I've I watched The Exorcist three. Sorry. Uh, two know. two is the bad one, Kyle. The Heretic. I've seen that too. Two two um, is far worse than three. Three has some moments. Uh, it's it has some cool moments, but no. Uh, Mrs. Lovitz, I think is her name. Uh, Helena Bonham Carter. Ever heard of her? Uh, and before or after the the separation, they're still together at oh. this point. Uh, she's in, she's still in his movies. All right. Um, <laughs> But uh, she ends up, um, she knows that Sweeney Todd's wife, I don't want, never mind. Anyway, Sweeney Todd's, uh, she did something really bad to him. So uh, he starts dancing with her. He's like, oh no, I forgive you, I forgive you. Um, And they cook meat pies down in the basement and they're dancing around the basement. And the, the oven's open and it's a big oven. And he just, you could just see he's about to do it. He's just dancing with her, just fucking tosses her in there and lets her burn alive. It's fucking scary because it's like a oh shit because you can see her like through the little the little glass hole right there, and you can just imagine how fucking hot it is. But it, it's a really it's a really good and it's not even like it's not a satisfying movie death. It's more like a I didn't really need that to happen, but that was pretty pretty brutal well, uh, for a musical. Know, that was actually a like the chief complaint against against the movie was that it was dark. Yeah, people weren't expecting. It. Oh, it was great. It's it's actually no, really good it, for a musical. It's, it's well loved by the people who appreciate it, but there's a lot of people who are fooled by the marketing that people who should who shouldn't have bothered with it. But they that got was trained. like the beginning of the Johnny Depp, like you know, should have been making A list movies, <laughs> but instead made slightly alternative movies that <laughs> rubbed a lot of the new fans the wrong way. And like he's Pirates of the Caribbean, is not gonna be yeah, exactly. Pirates of the like, Caribbean, no, guys. No, I'm pretty sure it's okay. Well, fuck. I got one more though. Oh. I just I just want to do it real quick. We haven't uh, even broke two hours, dude. We're doing fine. <laughs> Goose, Top Gun. Yeah, Goose. Goose was. See, there's like a couple of deaths in cinema history that stand out to me as like impactful in the sense that I it took me a very long time to actually see the movie. But the one thing that I knew about that movie was that something happened. Mm-hmm. So like Rocky Four, Apollo dies. I knew that before I saw the movie, and I knew I was supposed to feel, feel bad about it when it happened, because all the people around me were like, oh, fuck, that's the one where Apollo gets punched and dies. <laughs> and then Top Gun was, like, a huge fucking movie in our household. Our, our mom used to work out in the basement to the soundtrack. That's the awesome. She had a rowing machine. That's pretty good. I used to steal that cassette whenever I got a chance. I'd swap it out for my Ninja Turtles audio drama. But yeah, Top Gun was a big fucking deal in our household. Uh, the soundtrack was the sound. Like we didn't play music in the house too often. That was like some that and like Phantom of the Opera was like some of the only music we played. I still, this is true. I still yeah. haven't seen Top Gun. Oh, I'm sorry, Kyle. Yeah, you'd seen. hate it. I know. You'd hate every. Movie I love ever. Tom Cruise, but I just know that there's a best after date on Tom Cruise movies, and yeah. Well, I mean, Matt always theorized that like. Top Gun's like the perfect date movie. Like, the rhythm of the editing, it's like everybody gets what they need. Because it's two movies, and it's literally like a commercial to join the Navy, and air, you know, yeah. And then the other part is like just a really cheesy romance. Yeah. Like, and and it's completely (laughs) one or the other. Like, there's no middle. Like, it's. Where was A Few Good Men? Was that after Top Gun? Okay. Yeah. I do like that one. I do like that one. I mean, it's, it's a solid courtroom drama. It's good Jack Nicholson. Uh, but yeah, Top Gun, that, that one always stuck out to me, big time. 
goose. Yeah, I don't have one of those sad deaths. That's a, that's a sad one, isn't it? Yeah. It it they one thing that's really important about it is that they pay respect to it because there's a there's a thing in like comic books and stuff especially where something really tragic happens and then the writers forget to like pay respect to it. Like imagine Superman died and then the next issue everybody's just like la di da da. So doesn't I think I know what you're talking about. Does he die and then they come out of the sky and they have like that freeze frame moment with Val Kilmer? <laughs> no, it, he, the thing about it actually that stands out is like a he doesn't die in combat. Training like, exercise. The whole part of it is that they're at Top Gun and it's like it's just they're doing training and it's kind of Tom Cruise's fault because he pushes it a bit too much and it's he his best a, friend. And... He wrote a check his body can't cash. Yeah. <laughs> But it was that combined with the fact that it then, like, fucks with his head enough that he washes out of the program and then, like, literally causes, like, you know, him to have to face his family after the fact. <laughs> like, like he has Meg to go Ryan. and meet, yeah. Oh, Meg Ryan's Meg in Ryan's it? Goose's wife, yeah, yeah, with her kids. An 80s Meg Ryan, too. Before she was Meg Ryan, really, kind of. Yeah. Like, Before yeah. she turned into a cat. Yeah, she, <laughs> no, she's just kind of hanging out there. But they do a really good job of, like, respecting what happened and like actually making the like having the follow-through the sense to have it like resonate throughout the remainder of the film hmm. especially because he's such a dipshit like, the whole, <laughs> like he, that's his character he's like the dipshit sidekick the whole time and so then it's very abrupt when it happens well, not the, only that he's the dipshit side character but he's also the funny guy that, was, that everybody liked so like, like, even the people that tom cruise hates that that you know by extension goose should hate too goose gets along with See, you, I, this is true. Like Iceman respected him, Slider respected him. Uh, it, I think, Clearly, we've seen Top Gun a few yeah. times. <laughs> well, I'm thinking Harry Harry Connick Jr. in Independence Day. That was supposed to be like that. Oh, he's the funny guy, and you're not expecting him to die. Like, Talk I, about fucking deaths. <laughs> it's it's on a similar level, but this one's like. I didn't feel anything for him dying because he's so fucking. I I'm sorry, he's annoying to me. Even as a kid, I'm like, I can't breathe. I'm like the, <laughs> the funny guys, Will Put Smith. Put your mask back on. <laughs> that is a funny because Will Smith is screaming, Jimmy, Jimmy, no! <laughs> All you see is his eyes. Well, it's, it's not even like Optimus Prime where the triangle bobbles. No, it's it, like his mask is just stable. Like yeah. he's just staring into the camera. He's going, Jimmy, no. <laughs> that actually brings up one that I'm shocked nobody's mentioned, but um, what was the uh, the Omega Man remake? Oh, uh, uh, fuck, what was it called? The What's Will on? Smith one. Um, Omega uh, Man. It's it's the Will Smith version of the Omega Man. The Gemini Man? No, no, no. This was fuck. What was it called? I can't remember for some reason. What 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 time what what time frame are we talking here? Like what year? Ten Le- years ago. Late two thousands. Uh, I robot. Uh, I am legend. I am legend. There we go. Yeah, the the dog. Oh, oh fuck! Yeah. I didn't. I yeah. I just watched. Yeah. The, I just watched the movie that we're gonna be recording uh, for to drop next week. It, I can't. Man. Animals, yeah. dude. I can't. I can't. I mean, it's in anymore. line with the shoe for me. It's the same reason. Yeah, I would say that. That's that's. I mean, because that's yeah. that's the part that's disturbing. Is like you know, any time a dog dies in a movie, even if it's a bad dog, I feel bad. I mean, like I said, Alien 3, I'm pretty sure the reason why the the more commonly seen version on DVDs these days is the one with the water the buffalo. The water buffalo, yeah. Is because the dog was probably too much for some people. Yeah, that was... Dog, dogs are very special to a lot of people. 
I don't. Nobody likes to see bad things happen. Yeah, I, I, I guess we're even in if it's simulated. Honorable yeah. mention territory because yeah. then there's like certain deaths that it's like don't didn't impact me personally, but it like actually is like the focal point of a movie. Titanic. Well, <laughs> I was thinking like apt pupil is another one and fucked up like animal deaths like that. The only reason anybody ever talked about that movie like it had nothing to do with the actors, had nothing oh. to do with the like it was the fucked up scene with the cat and like. That's been on my Sir Ian McKellen uh, backlog. Like, that's just one of those movies I've kept in the back of my brain. I'm like, I need to watch App People. Is it worth the time? He plays just, a Nazi. There's a right fucked up scene with a cat. And, yeah, that's all you need to know. Hanging from a noose? It's worse. I remember a movie when I was a kid where you just you just remember flashes or, like, you go into the living room parents like, you don't need to watch this. But I remember going in and there was a cat hanging from a noose. Yeah. It was around that era. Of no, the there was a lot of that stuff in movies around that era. Uh a, that's a Brian Singer. We don't talk about Brian Singer. <laughs> uh, another one I wanted to bring up, actually, just because in hindsight it's comical, but um, Braveheart at the very end when Wait. he's being tortured. Just, I, I, his, his facial expressions are, are puzzling, especially the part <laughs> when he's being like, is is he's being like castrated yeah. and he just kind of like grunts a little bit and like kind of winces like it... I had to read a summary to figure out what the fuck was happening no exactly. <laughs> you had to read a summary but when no, you watch like, when I was young I was like I don't know what's happening right now I'm... his facial expressions aren't communicating what's no. happening very oh, well <laughs> I, I knew at a young age what was happening like, I, maybe my grandma told me somebody must have told me what was happening to him yeah you must have heard cause... but it, it's it's kind of comical now when you, you see the direction he went and like <laughs> kind of like you know it's like that's where the passion comes from if you turn this William Wallace figure into, you know, just kind of laying there. It's like, you can cut my junk off and that doesn't even affect me. <laughs> I can still yell freedom. Like, well, he's always had a bit of like a martyr complex. His wife yeah. always dies. Or whoever his love interest is. Like, uh, wife dies, Lethal Weapon 2, girlfriend dies, uh, Mad Payback, Max. Mad, Mad Max, Max. Uh, uh, The Patriot. Braveheart. He I don't remember hate, conspiracy theory, but he's, he, he's not attached. No, he's not attached. <laughs> uh, and he's a very handsome man. He <laughs> almost dies in there. Uh, he likes being tortured. He almost dies in a lot of his movies. No, he too. likes being tortured. He, he should, likes getting roughed up in his movies. Um, British actor who played the bad guy in The Patriot. Uh, J- uh, Jason, is it Jason Isaacs? Yes, it is. Uh, no, he killed him. That He was dead. He had so many cuts. Like, There's no way he fucking made it. He was a dead man. <laughs> I mean, he, he had to found the nation, though, Kyle. No, that's true. <laughs> this he, Australian this man <laughs> had to found our nation. <laughs> I do. There's a podcast I listen to when they bring up Mel Gibson. They always do an Australian accent. It makes it so much funnier. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing how he, it just kind of eroded into basically nothing. Well, they brought, brought it up in Lethal Weapon 4 when he's hanging from the ceiling. He's like, could you have found something smaller? <laughs> it, kind of, it kind of goes back. <laughs> Like, dude, you've been out of there for like 20 years. It should be gone by now. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, honorable mentions. I got one. Okay. Broken Arrow. John Travolta. <laughs> John Travolta. How does he... I, Have you seen Broken I've seen Broken Arrow. I do not remember how he dies. So the opening of the movie is a fucking boxing match between him and Christian Slater. I think Travolta so th- wins these that. guys are like... What? B B fifty two bomber. These are stealth bomber pilots. Yeah, we're allowing them to 
punch the fuck out of each other without headgear. <laughs> uh, yeah, I want a concussed pilot to fly the most expensive aircraft with nuclear armament in it. <laughs> anyway, the a conclusion of the movie, it ends the way it began, where they have another fist fight over a remote control that controls, it's the detonator for a nuke. They're on a train. By the way, Howie Long gets, he gets the all real monsters yell. Yeah, he does. <laughs> yeah! Oh, oh, not the not the Wilhelm scream. But no, the, I know which one you're talking if about. If you yeah. remember the the all real monsters cartoon, it's from the opening. The, yeah! This close to buying that on Prime along with the uh, Batman the animated series. I just get really close to it each time. I'm like, no, nope, I'm not pulling. It's the probably a lot cheaper too, which helps. Yeah. Batman's probably a bit pricey. Anyway, yeah, so Howie Long good, gets kicked though. off the train. He lets out the Aureal monster scream, but they have this fist fight at the end. It's it's fun. It's early, well, early-ish Hans Zimmer score. Mostly synthesizer. He's having a grand old time. Um, but the way the fight ends is so, for so, the, the nuclear device has a, a metal tip to it. So it's like a giant fucking spear. Yeah. Christian Slater jumps out of the caboose and he does like a 360 in midair or like a, a 180 or whatever. And he, he clicks the thing to like stop the timer as the as the nuke is flying through midair because the train just collided with something so it flies forward and john travolta stands up and smiles at it as it like flies and impales him and launches him out the back of the caboose and we get to see this lovely dummy that probably weighs five pounds get, <laughs> get launched, launched. impaled on a giant nuclear device and out the back of an exploding train hmm. it's pretty awesome <laughs> it's stupid as fuck, but it's awesome. I'm sure if we went down the stupid as fuck deaths, that 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 would be a long one. I <laughs> that would be a long one. Uh, I can't think of any more. I think I'm out of deaths. Out well, of movie deaths. Do you have... I mean, we, we glossed over it. Hans Gruber. Hans Gruber, yeah. It's basically... I, I give it my vote for greatest falling from a great height death, basically. <laughs> Well, the you, I'm sure you both know the the story behind it. They said they were gonna go on three, and they did it on one, so they could get yeah. a legit reaction out of them, well, which is nice. I mean, if you're gonna do that shot, there's no better fucking way to do it. Yeah. Um, his acting, his reaction, just it looks pure. It looks awesome. The quality, of the, the image fidelity is always what gets me. Is that they probably shot it with like a high speed camera to get all the frames. Because nothing pisses me off more than like jittery, shitty slow motion where it's, you can tell that it's like, oh, we should probably make this slow motion as opposed to like, we're filming this in slow motion. Mm. Like they knew what they were doing. This shot was set the fuck up. And I don't think Sir Alan Rickman wants to get dropped from a great height more than once. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, just the the buildup of like taking off the, the very symbolic watch where it's like, you know, the, yeah. Alice gave her the point. Alice, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you get it. And it's it's a gore in the stunt. Just like the launch. I was going to say, the, the dummy that they throw yeah. off there, it does not that, look like a dummy. I don't think that's a dummy, dude. You don't think so? That's a fucking I think that's huge a fall. I think that's a guy. I mean, people are... It's a different are, era. I mean, the way would, it's moving. Yeah. People are free-falling out of the from the stratosphere now. Like, that's no, a I thing. I mean, so. Rages of the Lost Ark, you know, the truck stunt. One of the greatest. Stunts. Oh yeah, 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 It's yeah. one of the greatest stunts in movie history. You mentioned it before, and I was just like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And then it, no, then it, then it hit me. I'm like, oh, you fucking idiot. Yeah, no, I remember. It, you know, this was an era where stuntmen like prided themselves on like upping the ante. It's like, Weird. Fuck, I'll fall off a building. Yeah, it was also before insurance, probably, and lawyers. I was gonna say they're all. There was more like 
FBI stings. Like, some of you might not be coming back. <laughs> You're a stuntman. Well, I mean, why do you think all those Hong Kong movies are so awesome? Because they didn't have a lot of shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jackie Chan went back to China for that reason. Like, Mostly. Because he couldn't do anything he wanted to do here. Well, now they do the shit in Thailand because China's cracked down on things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Eesh. China's cracked down and you have to go to Thailand for it. What kind of stuff are they doing? Uh... Not a, not a whole lot of wire work and stuff, but, like, in terms of, like, allowing their stunt people to get, like, rough the fuck up. They're fine. It's like, yeah, you paid them. <laughs> it's like, it's fine. It's like, lifetime salary, take a punch to the mouth. Yeah. <laughs> so, where are we at, guys? You I know think, where we're at. I think okay. we're I think we're there. And I think we could probably talk about... Let, we should ease into the Adam Goldberg with the... The whole movie... Like, he and I went back and Every forth. death in it is traumatic. But, like, also well executed. Like, yeah. memorable. Like Every act have, has a memorable death. Yeah, every yeah. actor in it has a memorable death. It's like, Spielberg does death, man. <laughs> he, yeah, he does not do nudity, unless it's, unless it's Schindler's List, but that's a different kind of nudity. But he does do death. Yeah. And surprisingly, there's... There's definitely death in Schindler's List, but it's, it's, it's completely... It has... It's... It's executed completely differently. It's not intimate in Schindler's List because it's. Funny enough, I still haven't seen that. I'm a I'm a very bad person, I know. But my friend actually had the score playing in his car when we were driving around last night. No kidding. Uh, that's pretty morbid. It, Ooh, no, that's it, morbid. It, it's Zach Perlman. Uh, my friend plays the violin. So oh, okay. It's Zach Perlman's like makes more sense. Very famous violin. Is he mourning? Why is he listening to it? I think it was just on his his digital radio. I'm like not. It just yeah. came up like good violin tracks or something. I have color me bad on my fucking playlist, <laughs> so I'm not one to judge. But yeah, the movie we're we're talking about is Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. Um, movie packed from beginning to end with very memorable deaths. If you if you're listening to this and you haven't watched that movie, don't listen to what we're about to say. Stop. Go watch that movie. Don't it's a great. It's a very, very, very good movie in many, many ways. Be it's shocked. layered. Yeah. It's 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 a layered experience. Yeah. Very entertaining, but also heavy. The the opening scene deaths are really good because there there's there's so many different ones. In the I, opening. I don't know how many newspaper articles I remember of people walking out of the movie or like experiencing horrible PTSD because well, of the yeah. Omaha Beach sequence. Well, you someone in someone close to you apparently uh, we were soldiers. There's a scene in We Were Soldiers that was very upsetting, yeah. unsettling. Napalm. Yeah, the, the yeah. yeah. That's still, yeah, that still gets me. But um, but yeah, like you get a dude like jumping over the side, drowning. A dude's walking around holding their arms. Anytime I see intestines hanging out. Yeah, I I can't remember what episode I mentioned it on, but like viscera. Any anytime you see disemboweled, yeah. Yeah, anytime you see that in a movie, it's kind of it always stands out because it's so rare, but. Like you're programmed to know that's not that's good. not that's good. really that's like the worst that's I'm, not good. Another factor with that to take into mind too is that a vast majority of World War Two movies up until that point were the John Wayne era where everything was super pro USA. And uh-huh. You really didn't see casualties too often, let alone realistic casualties on the United States side. And to open with that much brutality instantly really just, like, switches the perspective. Like, we had seen that in Vietnam movies. Like, that was becoming more frequent. But Vietnam was also a war where the casualties were so lopsided, like, that even when you're showcasing, like, something like Platoon, for instance, you know, where, yeah, a lot of horrible things happened to the Americans in that one. They're also 
gunning down hundreds of people in the process. So yeah. it's kind of, you know. Well, wasn't that the first war that was actually being criticized while it was happening? Nobody was criticizing World War Two. Nobody. No, we no. still don't. You, I mean, there's. I don't think there's much really criticized on our side. Um, maybe I don't know enough. We also showed up really late. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess we'll, we'll jump in here real quick. Um, but yeah, I, the movie that we're going to do for next week, keep Vietnam in mind as well, because it kind of caught me at the end of it. There's, it, it kind of reminds me of Apocalypse Now a little bit. Um, but, okay. um, I'm trying to think. There is, um, in that movie, I'm not sure if you know this, but when they actually take the, take the bunker... Um, these two guys are walking up surrendered. I heard about you know that, this, yeah. and they're saying something. You don't, you don't know what they're speaking. But the two Americans are like, "What?" And they're like, oh, "Blah blah blah blah," and they don't know what you're saying, and they just shoot them, and they make a joke. It's a really they bad shoot joke. They shoot a flamethrower, don't they? they no, he, they, they just shoot them point blank. Yeah, they they do so, yeah. they do blast the uh, that's the, a different the German, yeah. yeah. But I read that they were saying that they were Czech prisoners and that they weren't armed. Like they were they were prisoners of war and they just got shot anyway. Yeah, and. I mean, if you're watching it the first time, you don't know that. And it was much later. I'm like, God damn. He's, there's even a layer to that in the movie. <laughs> like, that's... Yeah, that's there's, there's a lot of little details in there that you can tell they did their research. And, like, he took the movie very seriously. Spielberg mm. did. Um, not to completely derail things, but there's a Korean movie called... Uh, um, was it My War or something like that? My Way. Um, it's... A Japanese soldier during like World War Two times and a Korean soldier, they get to see like all the wars of that era like from every angle. Oh. And they conclude like they end up so they're in the Japanese military. The Koreans get forced to join the Japanese military. They get attacked there. They end up in like a Russian camp. They get attacked there by the Germans and then somehow they end up joining the Germans uh, during one of the beach invasions. So they get to see it from every angle from the Axis angle. And it's really different seeing one of the beach invasions from the Axis side, where it's like, oh, yeah, they, they were scared too. <laughs> like, it's like, I would be, yeah. Yeah, people were dying everywhere. But yeah, it, it was just a really interesting perspective. That's interesting. What's um, the name of that one? My Way. It's, it's very Korean, so you will cry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I mean, of all the, the great cinematic deaths in this film there's one that i think we all kind of agreed was the mm -hmm. the top spot and that would be of course uh, mr adam goldberg yeah i don't remember his name in the film i can't remember Mellish. Mellish. there you go thank you for doing research obviously we didn't <laughs> yeah he was the most he was the most affable character and i think giovanni ravisi his his was his is right is like neck and neck with it because yeah. it's like it's stupid like everything leading up to that yeah. was like like yeah why would you fucking do that Melish being jewish too though yeah 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 and on top of that too did you ever think about that sequence and imagine like if it were reversed like would you would it have any emotional impact on you no if, if a nazi were laying on his back pleading for his life and because no. everything we kind of talked about with like quint and everything earlier where you're literally seeing that we're everything switches and it's full on like i'm about to die like yeah that's what happens with mellish like you he, he goes from putting up a, a good fight with an ss soldier to realizing he's about to be impaled yeah and he's practically pleading he is pleading yeah. for his life he, he goes through every layer of it he does that like he's struggling with him and then he does that like 
ah, like he screams like he's like using the last bit of his strength to get yeah, up, and that's, that's when it comes in. It's that's like where, that's called acting. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really rough. And, and never mind too, you have the Irish guy choking on his own blood oh, and like yeah. everything, yeah, they, like next to him the yeah. whole time. Yeah, yeah, that, that's another that. detail. And you're waiting for that. up him. Yeah, he's they, calling out to him at the beginning of the struggle too. I forgot about that too. They 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 they, they make you think it's possibly him coming up the stairs. I forgot about that too. Well, uh, yeah, then they shoot the wall, and they get one of them, but there's another one. Then just gets him right in the neck. fires back. And then, during the beginning of the struggle, up him, up him, up him, up And he's just sitting there in the staircase, being up him. It's, like, you can't, I mean, he's speaking uh, he's speaking German when he's, like, going to step. And he's saying something, and when you're watching it, it's even worse, because it's just, oh, because he's a really, he's a really likable character. And you don't even need to know what the German is saying to just fucking hate his guts. But when you actually find out what he's saying, it's kind of comfort. Like he's actually like trying to comfort him a little bit. He's not even being mean. He's just like, "This is what's gonna happen. It's gonna be over quick. Just, just you're gonna have to let it happen." Yeah, his his tone suggests that that's what he's saying. But like you said, but at that's that, still like, at yeah, that point, it's like so... you're so like yeah. in it for for Mellish. Yeah, it's and then the the casual walk down the staircase and like he doesn't even pay any mind to up him no and he goes right back into the fray that i mean even if he doesn't even need to know that he's jew like that that's something that in 10 years like it's just gonna he's gonna have to keep drinking that away basically like because they didn't have (laughs) oh he was shell-shocked and like no no no, he has ptsd like that's something that yeah he's gonna chain smoke out of his memory pretty much which is unfortunate but yeah it's fucking brutal um, the only, the only thing I don't like about it is there's a certain shot, um, and it's once he's pretty much, he pretty much has it in the way it, it looks like there's a, like a dummy, like his, like his head is like further back and there's a dummy next to him. And yeah. I think it's just the, I think it's just the coat. I mean, they yeah. obviously have something that he's stabbing into. Yeah, they have a sleeve that he's probably putting the knife into. Cause I don't think Adam Goldberg signed up to get stabbed. No, <laughs> I, but it's, it. I don't, I don't think it's like the, I don't think the dummy was too big. I think it was just the jacket and the angle make it look like it's like a giant dummy that he's stabbing mm. into for a minute. Mm. I mean, no, obviously, I think it could be a lot of different things too. The sequences like that, I can't imagine you film many times to get like that. <laughs> Take it again. Yeah, like... unless you're Kubrick, um, I don't, I don't think your actors are going to be okay with doing that that's that's one of those scenes that you probably like push back in the schedule to like make room for the actors to find the find the emotions that they need take a day off carb up a little bit because yeah it's gonna take some energy and there's two factors to it too it was up them like there's that part where like there were all the macho guys who saw the movie and they're like oh that guy should have stepped in if i were there well it's reality is like that's probably a sad realistic portrayal of a horrific situation like overall that whole sequence is so nightmarish like like you say literally it's the wall shooting at you like like how are you supposed to react to that like well and like I, i can't remember where i read this but like there's a statistic about how many soldiers in world war ii actually discharged their weapons and it's like shockingly low it's like I think the reality is a lot of guys, you know, ended up there maybe not by choice, and a lot of guys weren't ready to do to do battle. 
from Upham's story is probably very a very true story for a lot of people. And, and like you were saying, like there's a lot of them who probably have had to carry that. Yeah. Like, you know, they come home and people throw them parades and shit. Well, like, well, I mean, Flags of Our Fathers, that's exactly that story. Yeah. Not, I, I wouldn't call that a great movie, but they do get into that. They pulled him off a desk. He's never been in combat. Like, he's yeah. he's like, I discharged my weapons once in, in basic training. But I think a lot of the, the numbers came from the fact that uh, I had a friend who read a, a biography about Patton. The goal of the Normandy was just bodies. Like, we're just going to bombard them. We're, a lot of people are going to die, but we're basically going to overpower the beach. Well, I mean, it was many, many beaches simultaneously. Yeah. It's like just overwhelming just, numbers. Just dump bodies. And there was the failed, you know, invasion to the night before. So. Yeah, where Matt Damon's character yeah. came from. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, I was going to say the other part of it, too, that annoyed me. Um, was so many people confused. Was it Mickey Mouse? Yeah, yeah, with yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. SS soldier, Steamboat Willie. The Steamboat Willie, yeah. Steamboat Willie and the guy who stabs oh. out of Goldberg are two. Yeah, two entirely. Yeah, yeah, but so many people when they saw it just assumed it was the same guy, and mm-hmm. so that's why there was this extra like oh. hatred towards up where it was like this was all your fault. You caused this. <laughs> And it's like, yeah. no, it, this is an SS. This is like the German elite. Like, yeah. it, it was, you this know. His head's, but, his head's the size of a watermelon. He's, he's yeah, a big he's, dude. Oh, he's, Steamboat Willie does cap Tom Hanks. Yeah. But not not Adam Goldberg. I do. I, that might be Tom Sizemore's best movie. Is, is I think so. I think it is. I think so. Um, That's the best use of your size. More. Enemy of the State was pretty good with size. Oh, but the, the end of Everybody that save money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good call. Good call. That no, is, but he was greasiest. Fuck. He was very likable in in Saving Private Ryan. Oh yeah, Sergeant Horvath, Mike Horvath. He's my like, fucking hero. <laughs> yeah. That helmet. <laughs> the fucking yeah, throw on the helmet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all the dirt. Shit. Carrying around all the dirt. Like, <laughs> fucking idiot. I do like where he gets shot and he's like, motherfucker. Yeah. Like, Son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> he's just like about, he stubbed his toe. He's just skipping around. He just got capped in the hip. <sighs> And, uh, and even his his last lines when he gets shot in the chest the, ah, it's okay I just got the wind knocked out of me yeah. and the thing that always really stuck out to me and I noticed this like on subsequent rewatches of the film was um, Tom Hanks defers to him a lot like to- as the sergeant like the, you know he's supposed to be the appendage and whatnot, but like he's like kind of the heart and soul of the whole crew no enlisted high ranking enlisted are what run like the actual like mm-hmm. the actual squads yeah. like that that's the person who knows everybody yeah. they're the one it, that they actually Sergeant respect <laughs> officers typically in movies ha- they all they all went to college that's why yeah. they're officers so yeah, they don't really respect every lieutenant in every in every Vietnam movie is the, the shit heel that nobody likes <laughs> say, I've been around a lot of officers and like they're 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 usually really really nice enlisted higher ups not <laughs> nice they're not nice people I noticed that Tom Hanks Captain Miller, he's all he's he defers to him a lot. Like he leans on him heavy. He should. And like I mean, at the, that was at the a big end, part of his character though. Was... He, yeah, he's kind of just he's there to do the job and get home. Mm-hmm. Like he even says it like verbatim basically. Um, but in like both of their closing moments, like Tom Hanks after he's been shot, his his first reaction is to call out for Mike. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like Mike! he's looking, Mike, <laughs> Mike. <laughs> and there's that shot of him just like. It, Mike, even in death, is helping the team by looking at the detonator. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just like staring. 
He's he's really the one that was saving Private Ryan. Yeah. Mike Horvath saved the day. He blew that bridge. <laughs> yeah. In spirit, he blew that bridge. Matt Damon sure as shit didn't. Uh, Sorry. They tried to give him a moment with the mortar shells, but you know. Yeah. That, yeah. that that sequence leading up to the bridge, like that whole scene. Um, what was it? Medal of Honor Frontline? Is that what oh. it was? <laughs> I played that a ton of times, but I love that's one of my favorite sequences from a movie. Is is when they're uh, they're gonna take down the tanks and they're gonna blow the bridge. I mean, another example of Spielberg being awesome. The build up to that battle, the tank sound, mm-hmm. just the the <laughs> treads and, yeah. and the rocks, T Rex basically split the. I love the split in the gum. That yeah. you know how long he knew that guy. A day. Yeah. Yeah. If that. <laughs> if that. Yeah. Yeah. And it, no, the, I mean, we're we're gushing at this point. Yeah. It's I'm a sorry. great. It's no, a great fucking movie. I'll probably put like, on after. You guys there's leave. even other little things too, like you know, like the random guy who just blows up from the sticky bomb. Yeah. Oh like, fuck yeah! That, like it's so jarring because that's not how it's supposed to work in a movie. Like, no. But that's reality. Like, I love the Molotov cocktails when you see them lighting them. I'm like, oh shit! I know this is about to happen. Yeah. I love them, but. Similar to your Adam Goldberg complaint, there's that one part where they throw them from the from the rooftop. Yeah, it lands in the in the like half tank. It's, yeah, it's not a tiger; it's something else. But this little bitsy flame just goes, <laughs> and then like two seconds later, <laughs> boom, it's God, like, yeah. yeah, that wasn't rigged for pyro, not at all. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, there's plenty of, if you scrutinize it. It's like Barry Pepper's like magic rifle that can take down buildings and yeah, you know. yeah. Like, when he shoots the sandbag and shit, and the guy falls down, it's like, okay, <laughs> the spirit of the Lord behind the bullets, but... And then, like, when the... I forget, it's like a 15 millimeter cannon or something comes... Oh, that thing tore them the fuck up! Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're all, like, scattered. Like, they're, like, pile, dogpiling this tank, like, trying to get in there or something. And you just see all these dummies explode. Oh, uh, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's just pe- yeah, it's mean, just pieces of people. Like I'm pretty sure Stallone saw that and he's like, "Yeah, that'd be good in a Rambo movie." <laughs> it's it's probably a good thing that that movie was CGI blood because they would have spent a fortune doing like fake blood for that yeah, movie. I, I think I for I think uh, it chapter two finally beat Dead Alive for most blood on camera. You mean the Evil Dead? No, de- de- uh, Dead Alive, the Peter Jackson, Peter Jackson movie. De- the Evil Dead. I thought Evil Dead. Brain held. Dead. <laughs> I thought uh, Evil Dead had the the remake had the record for most fake fake blood. I don't know about that, but I know it chapter two currently holds the title. Interesting, because I guess there's some sequence that has like a, a blood a blood room. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna. I need to watch that first. Actually, I might watch that tonight. It, I need. Oh, to, I need. Re- to, I haven't. I haven't seen the remake, and I've heard it's a fun jump scare movie. It's a fun movie. It, it's fun. Yeah. I've heard the second one's unintentionally funny. Uh, I can see that. <laughs> I I really want to see it because you know I, I was raised on the it Tim Curry it was a big deal. Ah uh-huh, ah uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I can't think of any more deaths. Uh, Vin Diesel's is actually him being in that movie. <laughs> It's point. I don't know. He he doesn't do much. Is he's kind of has a weird death. Like it's just it doesn't really impact he's you at all. Supposed to be the guy representing like caring about the Europeans like, who are kind of displaced by the shoot him in the head. Yeah. I mean that's the whole thing about Private Ryan is it's supposed to encompass like each part of the European theater. It's like, it's like platoon in that way. Yeah, it's, it's the story it's like of every soldier. Each part is kind of a different like major theme that you hear about. And would Tom Sizemore be the Tom Berenger? In that, 
No, it, I, don't, f- I don't mean in that sense. I mean just in the sense that everything that happens in Platoon, it, like one of those things would happen to a Platoon in real in real life. Oh, okay. But it's the story of every soldier in Vietnam, basically, it, but transposed onto a single unit in a single movie. Tom Sizemore would be closer to uh, Elias. <laughs> no, um, I was gonna say oh, I can never remember. Bunny. <laughs> no, Gator? Rob, uh, Robert Duvall in Apocalypse Now, oh. like just unaffected yeah, by it. Yeah, there yeah, you go. yeah. I was gonna say I think it was Roz was the guy with the staff and the shorts. Yeah. Would be more like was Roz Tom the guy with the weird voice? Yeah, that guy, that guy always bothered me. He had like, a what's your deal? He had a weird <laughs> he had a weird temperament. Like yeah, like, yeah, yeah he would like flip the fuck out. Yeah. Like he get really twitchy. I do love that that uh, Willem Dafoe with the banana, just stoned <laughs> yeah. as hell, just kind of waves at him. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I have any more for... Well, Vin Diesel, pretty sure, like, the only reason that character exists in the script is the letter. Like, there's, oh, yeah. there's the theme of, like, the letter being handed off to the survivors, and it's... Oh my god, it's so raggedy and wet. And yeah. It was also... That's, yeah. No, no, go ahead. I'll just say, uh, Giovanni Rubisi is actually yeah, yeah, rewriting it. He dies, and then... Yeah. I, I forget if, like, Upham takes it or something. or some, I think somebody else takes it after he dies. When he stopped crying and throwing up. <laughs> Sorry. I really took that Adam, Gold's, that Adam Goldberg death hard, and I blamed him for that. Well, I was <laughs> just going to say, the only thing with uh, Private Ryan, too, that... Um, and it got totally screwed up, but when it first came out, like... One of the things that was so goofy about it was that Matt Damon, that was supposed to be his like debut mm-hmm. to America. Like that was supposed to be like introducing the next big thing. But then his own movie, the uh Good Will Hunting, Good Will Hunting mm-hmm. blew up. Yeah. And so now all of a sudden he won the award and everything, so everybody knew who he was. But that was supposed to be like kind of the thing, like part of the reason he was cast in that role was to be like it, it was Spielberg like giving the, the touch, like saying like this is the next big thing. Same with Barry Pepper, same with Goldberg, same with Vin Diesel. Like it was, these were all guys that he had kind of scouted along the way and was like, these are going to be big names. I mean, even Ed Burns at the time was kind of a nobody yeah, and like yeah. has since had a pretty, you know, solid career. I don't all think things. I've seen him in anything else. He did a lot of indie stuff. Like, oh, okay. And a lot of like supporting roles, but. Um, but just more so, and I think he got into directing, but more so like these were all actors who like were kind of on the come up. So that was the other part of it is like, I think Vin Diesel was in there more so just, he's the most successful one out of that group. I would say financially, financially. Yeah. Yeah. Financially. Nathan Fillion's done quite well. Himself. Oh, I forgot Nathan Fillion's in it. Yeah, I forget about Cranston all. Cranston was in it. Ted Danson's forget... in it. Uh, yeah, Ted Danson. Uh, God damn it. Paul Giamatti. Paul Giamatti. <laughs> he makes it in there. I got the ankles of an old woman. <laughs> Who's the guy? Uh, Curly from uh, Tombstone. Isn't he in there as well? Jack Palance? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Tombstone. 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 Oh. Shut up, Ike. <laughs> The well, the main guy, not not Michael, not Powers Sh- Booth, Curly Bill. Yeah, isn't he? I think Powers he's Booth, maybe. I think he's in the opening. I mean, he's always welcome. I like Powers Booth. I'm pretty sure he's in. Uh, I think it's Jack Palance. In Saving Private Ryan, maybe. I don't know. It's not Jack Palance. It's, not Jack Palance. <laughs> it's another one of those old guys. Take this song. Yeah, it's definitely shot. not Jack. Palance. <laughs> you would know. I think he was dead. I think, down. No, he was definitely alive. <laughs> No, you're right. <laughs> he wasn't. Oh, Dennis Farina. He was definitely in there. It's uh, all right. Uh, I just got the wind knocked, knocked out of me. 
What do you mean my brothers are dead? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> I think they've been dead for a while, dude. <laughs> Going to attend to the matter personally. <laughs> now I have to know if it... Powers Booth. I swear to God Powers Booth is in there. Curly Bill! <laughs> it's Curly Bill. 1998. I love when he says the word capital. He comes out and he's like stoned out of his gourd. He just comes out of like an opium den. And he's like, I feel just capital. <laughs> Powers Booth, I don't believe, was in Saving Private Ryan. Dustin Hoffman in Star Wars? <laughs> Powers Booth was in MacGruber. Oh, you, you, you crossed the streams. I crossed the streams with MacGruber. <laughs> That's, I'm like, I swear to God, he's on my mind for some reason. That was why. Okay. Well, I think that I think about we... wraps it up for Cinematic Deaths slash Saving Private Ryan Jerkoff session. Yeah, I think we've killed everybody at this point. Yeah, everybody yeah. dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that being said, um, perhaps we'll do this again. This was a, a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm going to go drink a Budweiser. <laughs> <laughs> Hug <Nick>. my dog. <laughs> Watch something wholesome as fuck. <laughs> gotta go home watch Care Bears. Yeah. <laughs> Delete my copy of, uh, what is it, Garden of the Fireflies or what? Oh, oh fuck. <laughs> Grave, Grave of the, of Fire the Fireflies? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You want to feel bad about something? You watch that movie. <laughs> All right. I love, the, I love the closing shot of that movie. He stares straight into the viewer's eyes and he's like, your grandpappy had to do this. Well, I don't know. <laughs> you that. think about that. <laughs> anyway thanks for joining us tune in next time